You're listening to the Opie and Anthony channel on Sirius XM. The Ron and Fez show starts. Come on. Now! Lots of mimes 
Buddies, it's the Ron and Fez show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, beautiful, beautiful day in New York, but from what I understand, Sunday is going to be 67 degrees. Oh my God. I can't understand what happens here. Al Gore was always right. No, Al Gore... I, I swear, when just a weather day happens, if we could stop bringing up Al Gore, it's what, 11 years that we're into this now? Since that doc, and, yeah. Yeah, and every day that it's warmer than it should be, they say Al Gore is right, and every day it's colder. <laughs> Al Gore's a dick. I just, I think it's played. Played. It's just going to be a warm day out of nowhere. I believe. Uh, the important thing about that is that it will, if nothing else, help people get a cold. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Two days left till Christmas vacation. Two days that we will still be on the ONA channel. And uh, we've got so much work to do. I know this 360 we wanted to have completely rebooted, redone with, and we haven't even touched it. Uh, I certainly think that we should do something to catch up the new listeners uh, when they start to have questions of who's that guy, why doesn't that other guy talk, what happens here, why are people saying a million bucks? Oh, like a primer. A primer, a run of fez for dummies, a run of fez 101, something that they have to catch up because I don't feel like getting a million questions from new <laughs> listeners. Um, by the way, the opening song today, what movie? What uh, movie that's somewhat of a Christmas movie? Was that it? I don't remember. I don't know. You don't remember the greatest action film of oh all God. time. Oh, my God. Damn it. Die Hard. Yeah. I mean, to explain... Oh, no. It's a moral conundrum. Conundrum. Do we have to explain that to them, these new listeners? I mean, they must have moral conundrums in their lives. We have got to also, you know, explain to these people, we aren't the new guys, you are. <laughs> That's why I want to have a good primer for them, you know, something that they can get into. Catch them up to speed. Yeah, that we need something where we explain to them, this is Chris Stanley, he's an alcoholic, drug addict, mm. gambling mess of a human being. I have problems. Um, they shouldn't judge me for them. Maybe uh, every time that you come on the show, we just have something that says, Chris Stanley, he has problems. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're moving to Raw Dog CSXM Comedy Hits 99. In three shows. In just three shows. 12 hours. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh, no. Actually, we've only got eight hours left here. It'll be the ninth hour. Wait, no, you're right. Today's Wednesday. I'm always moving myself, so we got the Today Show, Thursday Show, Friday Show. You were correct. 12 hours. With. We got 12 hours. Uh, Mike, you're on the Fed Show. 
Hey, Ronnie, just want to do a health and well-being check on Fez. I know he was sick yesterday. I was wondering if he's going to make it to the mic today. Uh, Fez is in the other room again today, and it looks like he's being very, very quiet. Now the... Still haven't heard anything from him. So uh, I, I heard him. I talked to him on the phone, and he was deep voice Fez. <laughs> Got a bit, a bit of a raspiness. Now, I would definitely yeah. be of the point where I felt sorry for Fez when he's medically sick if I wasn't already feeling sorry for Fez every other day for the mentally sick. <laughs> so Fez has got himself into a point, and I guess that's him over there. That's me, yes. I can't see exactly. Um, the glare is is amazing. But I kind of can make out the shirt. Yeah, I'm the boy the behind the glare. the thing that we have to remember to do with him, Chris, most yeah. of all, is to try to remember, just don't, when he has a tragedy, just don't treat it like it's nothing. It's really hard, though, because it's like spin the wheel. Emotional, yeah, physical, I mean, He's mental. at the day. Spiritual. He's at the fucking point now that if he lost his leg, <laughs> right? That you would just be like, oh, no, he's bringing up the stump again. You don't mean he's used up every point that he has. He thinks it's infected. I'm not. I'm just, I don't know what it is. It's one ear off the he's other. He's fucking bringing up pus. So I guess he wants to be in the other room. Who's in there with him? Uh, Castro. Well, this is Castro's last day. Yeah, her last day. And she goes off. Goes off to wherever Castro goes. Most likely Long Island. I'm it, guessing Havana. Is Fez going to say anything if he is in there? I have been talking. Nothing. Is the tap button on? The uh, other stuff that we need to get to, big guests today, uh, big guests tonight on uh, Raw Dog Sears XM, Comedy Hits 99, switch over at 8 o'clock tonight, and you will hear a little Steven. That's great for uh, Lilyhammer Season 2 on Netflix. Now, I thought that uh, Fez would also be running this uh, weird box that Leslie had put together for us today, which is... Um, and I also wanted to talk to Fez, if he's available, about the, you know, what kind of words we need to catch people up to speed on. Or maybe we even make up some new ones, okay. you know? Yeah. Like, there's no reason that we... Uh, we just can't start calling you Chris the Knife. You know what I mean? <laughs> they will just totally accept it. That, I like that. And I'll be like, you know, Chris the Knife, our producers here, always has a knife on him. The knife, Ron? He'll cut you. You know what I mean? Like, there's, we can get away with that. When you move to a new school, you could just take on personalities of other kids that you met that you thought were cool. It's reinvention to exactly how you want to be. It's up to you. You could either go into the new school, the timid guy, or I'm bringing some shit from another town you guys ain't even heard about. That's how you. That's also how it's like treating vacation in an odd place too. Like I used to say, like I would go down to Fort Lauderdale, whatever. I would tell people, yeah, I'm a Marody for like a band. There's Insert nothing band to stop you. I deal K. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just fucking lay that out there. You just have a little bit of K. You like this shit doesn't stop. I'm only gonna be here in Wildwood for four days. Too bad because you guys be doing fucking K all summer. I'm cooking it all day long. It's my day job give dude. me your fucking home number i'll get a hold of you later <laughs> you can get away with anything yeah it's very exciting uh here's uh brad brad you're on the run of fez show 
Hi there, Ronnie. Yeah. Um, I, I thought of a couple raw dog promos, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, the first one. Dun, 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 Who is he? What is he? My friends call me Raw Dog, but you can call me Sirius XM Comedy Hits 99. What? And the second one... Wait, before you do that, I really like the dun-dun-dun-dun. I mean, is this a song that's never been written? Well, no, that's the theme to RoboCop. Okay, good. All right, right, good. That's coming back in in February. Oh, cool. Wait, hold on. Uh, Director Shasta has a great idea. We need something like VH1's pop-up video for the new listeners. Wow. Pop-up radio. Pop-up radio. Hashtag pop-up radio. You think that'd still be around? Oh, wait, there's no music videos. Yeah, there's still hashtags. No, you know what happened? Pop-up video is what killed MTV. Because everyone went, yeah, these things blow. (laughs) (laughs) They're right. All right, God, what else you got, Brad? Uh, The second one is a song. It's called The Raw Dog Cometh. Here we go. Raw dog, ah, fighter of the serious, ah, champion of the XM. He's a master of comedy. It's ninety-nine for everyone. Thank you. I love a Flash Gordon riff. <laughs> All right. Um, Have a good day. Perfect. I really love the idea. That we could even do, and there's got to be some variation of hashtag pop-up radio where the listeners are explaining shit to new listeners. Okay. And that way, we don't have to do anything. Uh, Here's our buddy Tom in Madison. You're on the Run of Fez show. Buddies. Hey, Fezzy, I hope you feel better. Ronnie, I'd suggest any of the interviews, Patrice, Newhart, any of those for, for you, maybe a little addiction stuff. And Carol Bang, yes. Ichiban, no. Explain the big-ass cardholder bullshit. It, it's maybe a little bit of the 9-11 stuff, which sets the table for what a family you guys are in New York. Um, I don't know. It's an open field. I totally dig the reinventing. Chris the Knife, awesome. <laughs> I'll uh, take that. That's I like a badass that. name. As the neurotic, not so awesome. Um, but, yeah, that pop-up thing we are just talking about, sweet. See, yeah, that, I mean, see, that is the thing that we've got to try to explain with Fez, is do we want to even let them know that some days Fez is crazy, or is it just brand-new Fez? I like brand-new Fez. Well, for, for one day we had Fez the announcer guy, and then he never attempted it again. <laughs> We're not even getting our own stuff at this point, you know, brought up. So I'm not exactly sure where to go with that. Every day could be a different new Fez. See, that would just confuse them, though. Okay. You've got to ground these people. They, they, the Raw Dog listeners have to say, all right, I don't get the show yet, but there's something there. Not, I don't get this show yet, I gotta get out of here. That's the two reactions they're going to have. No one is going to immediately love your show the first day. They're gonna be fucking wondering why they're not hearing Carrot Top do a fucking 15 minute rant from 1989 or whatever the hell they expected that that they're hearing on any other day. There's There's something different happening. 
What do we do? Yeah, that always fucking panics people. So, um, all right, Liz Sets Fire says, fuck the new listeners. If they don't catch on or do their research, they don't deserve to listen. I get that attitude, Liz, but it's going to be more fun if we bring people in. Let's face it. They haven't done anything wrong other than not have the full package. (laughs) Now we're going to have to explain who Liz Sets Fire is. I really want to get it to the point where they would know... This is a show we're welcome to. It's interactive. Because, Liz, you know you didn't like us first day. She doesn't remember that. She doesn't no. remember those days. Most people, they turn on Ron and Fez, and it sounds like two weasels fucking, and that weirds them out. And now it's going to sound like one of the weasels isn't even talking. So now it's just like necrophilia, weasel necrophilia rape. Already rapists. <laughs> I got to take that out of my vocabulary. Um... Justin in Oklahoma, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hello, buddies. I would like yeah. to give my shot at the theme song. Yeah. Serious XM 99, where facts don't talk. That's not a theme song, and that's not what we're looking for. It's hate speech. Nathan, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ronnie B. Million bucks, man. Yeah. Pepper X, I got a little gifty for you, buddy. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to get you some BHO when you get back from Venice, buddy. Okay. Well, and uh, and also, 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 I got a little recommendation for Fezzy. Go ahead, Nathan. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to talk over you, my bad. Um, I was just saying, uh, I, I want, I hope Fez, uh, I want Fez to bring back uh, Caddy moments, man, when he used to like tear apart the award shows. And all that sort of stuff. Like, that was awesome. And I think it would be an easy, like, pre can bit for him to knock out. I mean, I know he's Yeah, he Fez dropped all his woman, woman-hating bits uh, when he started worrying about bullying, when bullying became so important to him. Just be a bully. <laughs> I, yes. It's, it's fucking bullied or bully. It's really a better way to make sure you're not bullying <laughs> is... Uh, is to bully someone. I'm going to push the people around. They're going to yeah. realize that you can't push me around. That's don't why push Chris around the... the big guys. Find someone small. Stomp on their shit. <laughs> That's why Chris the Knife doesn't the, get invited uh, to speak in school. The rest of the, the, the thing that we have to be able to work out here is that they love Fez. Because if they don't love him... They'll turn on him. You know what I mean? That, that can't happen. Like, you know, we're out of the fucking box here. There's always a thing with Fez. No one will ever say... I'm not sure what I think of that guy. They either love him and want to hold him, or they want they love they hate him and want to choke him. There's no uh, apathy. There's Mars the snorer. Do we have that on the 360? Yes. Uh, this is Mars. Is that on both? No. That's the thing that we got to get into, and we promised him about that. Everything's got to show up on both. Um. See if uh, if Castro can just run in for a second. Wow, that far to get to the snoring. Right, here's Mars. This is Mars at work fixing the studio. What are you checking on, buddy? Um, I'm checking on uh, on Fezzy not being heard by you guys. I hear. Oh, Fez him. is talking. Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, I've been talking again. Yeah, me, what has he been saying? He's been answering Mars. you. Yes, sir. We're fucking with Fez. The fact that he called you shows that he's insane. <laughs> you guys got me. <laughs> it happened for real the other day. 
Damn. We heard him the whole time. That's two times in two weeks. Yeah. Well, Mars, you're never sleeping on the job, that's for sure. But that's not healthy. That is not healthy. Castro, this is your last day with us. Yeah. How strange, huh? You came in all dressed up, and that was the last day (laughs) it mattered to you. So was Fez freaking out in there thinking that we couldn't hear him? He's pretty calm. He's answering all the questions, though. Yeah, I know. We heard him the whole time. (laughs) Um, Let's go over to Brian. Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Did you say Brian? Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, first off, God damn it, Mars. Way to ruin the bit. Yeah, I know. Even all the got it. Well, the fact uh, that he could hear him in here, and he was running around. Even that didn't occur to him that he heard Fez himself. (laughs) (laughs) He needs that. Gotta love it. Um, Okay, so when I first started listening to you guys, it was when uh, Opie and Anthony got... The, the boot for a while, and they were playing nothing but you all. Yeah. And so what about throwing on some best ofs on uh, Raw Dog before y'all make the hop? Um, yeah, I'm not sure that that's the best way. I mean, we're sending over little, like, little clips and stuff, but I also don't want to fucking just mouth fuck them with us. <laughs> um, Garth, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, man. Yeah. All right, so let's do this. New listeners... First thing, if you hear static when you're on the phone, that means you're next. You're the next fucking caller to call to talk. Second, very good point. Yeah. When you hear the you know, static, you're, you're up. up. <laughs> That's your fucking. You're up to bat. Second, I don't think we should spoon feed these new callers, man. I came in in 2006. It took me a little bit. I got on board. Fucking balls deep. Yeah. It's part of the adventure of learning of the, the new show. You know, I don't no, think I, I will a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, it would be very smart if we just have you guys fucking calling the first week or so and tell them don't call. <laughs> don't, I know you're new and you want to call. <laughs> don't call. Just listen. Hold off for a minute, please. What are the chances that Fez has a meltdown in the first week? <sighs> I'll give a six seven percent chance he has a fucking full on meltdown. Oh, don't let that happen. Uh Matt, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey Ron. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing you on Raw Dog Series XM coming in ninety nine. Oh, beautiful. I think kind of the first thing you need to do day one, minute one, is explain how you have a half man, half horse sitting next to you that can speak. And be entertaining on the radio. here's the beauty of it. These people don't they don't know yet that there's a centaur in the show. There is. We don't have to let them know. <laughs> there's no reason to bring up a centaur thing. How are we going to explain to the new listeners that Castro used to be our intern? I have. You'll have to, maybe she can record a goodbye message. I don't know. The other day she was in here and just lighting fucking Vito up. <laughs> well, Vito has a fucking has a dirty mouth. Is she going to get an A for her? Yeah. Okay, Castro. Yay. Congratulations. You're good to go. Your first college A. <laughs> it's 80% of my grade, your review. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I have that much sway over yeah. these kids' grades? Yeah. <laughs> the, your advisors would be horrified to know that I'm the guy <laughs> who's, who has power over your college degree. It's just ridiculous because then I also have to write a paper, which is only worth 25%. What are you going to write the paper about? I had to write about like my experience and what I learned. What did you learn? I learned 
like how to set up the studio and how like all this works and that's great yeah that's great. Don't mention Vito calling you. Uh, yeah. C. Yeah. Leave that out. <laughs> I, just say that you were the only intern. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andrea. Hi, Ronnie. How are you? Hey, sweetie. Um, okay. So I'm listening, and I know I'm on delay because I'm on the app, but you 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 can't hear Fezzi again, and he's just talking faster, and you keep talking over him, and I was wondering if you have that button not pushed again because he's talking and you're Andrea, talking Andrea, because you're on delay a little bit. We were just fucking with him today. I love it. (laughs) Yesterday it was real. Today, as the song was playing, we said, uh, hey, let's do a thing where we act like we can't hear Fez. You're the the greatest actors ever. I I know. (laughs) I know. That really annoys me that we're such great actors and without a film career. All right. Love you guys. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Oh, yeah. Happy holidays. All right. Shouldn't that happy holidays thing be thrown out since Hanukkah happened during... Kwanzaa, motherfucker. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, 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 (laughs) Kwanzaa. That just blew my whole shit up. By the way, Andrea's a great actress, so for her (laughs) to say that... Why are you laughing at that? I didn't know she was an actress. Yes, she's a great actress. So, like, Chris is always like, there's Ron fucking around. Um... Let's put that in one of the primers, too. Chris always misguesses which way Ron is going. <laughs> <laughs> he believes the sarcasm and then says, yeah, right. Is it Marseille? Marseille? Marseille sounds right. Because, uh, you know, it sounds right it gets to me. Um, You know... Someone, and I forget who now, brought up the pulling stuff from the unmasked. We always were talking about pulling out bits from the unmasked just as conversation starters. Is this guy correct, or had you thought about that before? And yet you can't seem to to lead I, I've, your I've, turns. I've, uh, You're I've, going to put interns on it. Yeah, I should, that, that's what I, uh, I didn't put the interns on it this semester, no. What happened with these 360s? That's Tim's biggest thing. I know. How'd your uh, meeting go yesterday? Went well. Yeah? Yeah. They were nice to you? Yeah. Well, they, they, it was all stuff I, I you know, I already knew. It was just confirming that I knew what I was doing. Yeah. You know the business. Don't worry about that. Uh, Jacob, you're on Run and Fez show. Hey, hey, Mr. B. I was just wondering if you guys are going to change up the theme song a little bit. My vote's for... Uh, I want to go screaming Jay Hawkins. I put a spell on you. I like that a lot, man. I like I think- that song quite a bit. That was the plan, the imaging plan in two months. We still don't have one, though, right? No. We're talking about doing the old N.E.W. song? That uh, That's an option on the table. Well, let's just play the old N.E.W. song, but we won't. I mean, we can't go back and do out of these. We'd have to have something to come out of that. Yeah. I'm pulling it up now. I wish we could get to things faster. That's why I wish we had a 360 where you just lean over, hit a button, and you're done. All right, here it is.
Do you have anything like that laying around? Like a newer version of that updated? Um, Russell, Russell, you're on the Running Fed show. Ronnie B. Yeah. And a tagline. Yeah. <clears throat> Raw Dog, Sirius XM, 99, comedy hits. Ron and Fez, now with less BMF. <sighs> Not sure. Not sure. Uh, Doug, you're on the Run Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie. How about, uh, remember the uh, season two of The Odd Couple when they had the voiceover? You know, that da 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 In 1969, Felix Unger was asked to leave his residence and do something like that and establish, you know, where Fezzy was way back when. I've only been listening for a couple of years, so you know I don't what? know. It's, an, it's a really fucking good idea. Has anyone ever done... One of those things like the old TV shows, uh, Brady Bunch, where you tell the entire story oh, wow. up front. If you uh, if you go and you turn on something as ridiculous as Gilligan's Island, right? All you got to do is listen to the theme song. You find out why they're there. And you know, if we're doing a three-hour tour every day, that might be the angle. And that way you introduce Ron and Fez... And then you say, here's Chris Stanley and the other new guy. HR's been holding him up. But at the last minute, here comes Wiki and Tim. Yesterday, we did all the bitching about HR. Wiki and Tim got to work on it. It looks good. I don't want to say it's great, but it looks good. A lot better than yesterday. Um, Brian, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, I didn't know about the new show. If you're going to use two hands for the puppet or just restring it and use one. You know, I know that you're goofing around about saying, you know, Fez is a puppet. But I've always wanted to do a show where the ro- uh, there was a robot on it. But it was like a robot waiter who was always getting us stuff. <laughs> we had Robot Fez that one day. I don't even remember that. I was starting to put stuff through a... a a vocoder or whatever online is have it say things that fans would say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For like two and a half hours. Now, now that he knows that he can talk, he hasn't at all, by the way. Yeah, I was noticing that. But he's very sick today. You should get some lozenges. That's when we put together kinky boots. Uh, Jesse, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hello? Yeah. Hey, if you're going to do the pop-up video and uh, fun facts about Chris Stanley, you got to mention the fact that he peed himself in a bouncy house. <laughs> First of all, that's one of my favorite Chris Stanley's uh, things. And by the way, he always says pissed himself because it was so great. <laughs> that's the part that kills me, that you're not embarrassed that you pissed yourself. As a young child, I was in a bouncy room, and I remember laughing and being so happy. Piss came out. <laughs> and I didn't care. <laughs> Same thing happened the first time he had sex. <laughs> Should this be the different consistency? Is your chick going to be pissed if you just keep bringing up the new show while you're in Vienna? <laughs> Look, you can go out. I'm, I'm in here. I'm on this goddamn laptop. I'm going to come up with a new opening. I don't know what I've been doing. HR sucks. You said there's a beautiful Alps are all Why around Why did we come here? This is a terrible idea. 
You said you changed. You said you changed and we were going to Vienna. Guys are fucking terrible on their vacation. When a guy is on vacation, there's only two ways he's going to be. Calling work or really drunk. That's the two things that you get. Is there Wi-Fi here? I need to get access to my email immediately. What do you mean there's no Wi-Fi? We're in fucking Europe. Um, here's Chuck. Chuck, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, uh, first off, is Castro still in studio? Yeah. Okay. Uh, paper is responsible for 8% of your grade. We know, 105%. Paper, yeah. that's 25% of your grade. I heard her say it. I just wanted to leave her alone. It's her last <laughs> No, that's day. what the paper said. I don't know what the other percentage is, don't, but that's all it said. Don't defend it, honey. It's too crazy. Yeah, I know. It doesn't add to It's too nutty. You just look worse defending yeah, yourself. You just look, yeah, just <sighs> drop it. Do what I did. Drop it. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, pop, the pop-up video. What if it was pimp-up video? And every time there was an in-show reference made, the bed came down and Pips popped up and explained what you just Pips said. Pips up video! Then, bip, bip, bip. Yeah, and are you going to be Pepper Hicks or Chris Stanley? Might as well go Chris Stanley. Then we can't call you Pepper Hicks. There goes the pep talk. It even confuses people that know the show for years. They'll go, wait, who's the other guy then? No, it's the same guy. We call him two names. <laughs> This show's too confusing. We're going to get the raw dog, and then fucking new listeners aren't going to get it at all, and then they're just going to start screaming. You should mix the names up. No, that's what we're trying to not do. Pepper Stanley. Dude, there might even be a fucking way that we go on there, and I just act like I'm fucking uh, Fez. (laughs) Just shut your goddamn assholes when you use the other F word. (laughs) It's bullying. Oh, here's uh, John. John, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. I was thinking on the new show, Fred's angle could be the Incredible Hulk. You could play the music, except you'd be the Incredible Hush, and you could just say, please don't make me upset. You wouldn't like me when I'm upset. That's actually, you know, stuff like that. If we just act like, I mean, there's no reason that we can't go there and tell the new listeners that I wrote The Watchmen. I mean, why would why would they think anyone would lie about that? <laughs> you know, I adapted that to the screen. I'd rather be part of the original source material. <laughs> Just rewatched that recently. I got real fucking jealous when Taron Killam was in here talking about his comic book because I'm like, I think I could write a comic book. I know I'm lazy, but a comic book I could come up with. Some comic books have like four word balloons in them. Like it's how, it's not that difficult. I don't know. The Tyrant Killam was thrown in our faces. I, I don't know who he was. <laughs> he was just in his great English suit, and everything was going his way. Handing him out to everyone he sees in the hall. Hey, guess what? Here's a comic book. I wrote it. It was Justin Long. Here's a comic book. And I'm saying, I'm laughing right away, like, because uh, I'm like, I don't have a fucking comic book to give Justin Long. Oh, and I do. I'm Tyrant Killam. And then I actually um, uh, said to Justin, I go, I, I drew most of that stuff. <laughs> Good. But you know what? Here's the thing. Justin Long, who's like a movie star, is like, oh, man, this is so cool. Ah, oh, fuck. I can't believe he pulled this off. This is amazing. And I'm like, I guess it's amazing. I could have done that if I wasn't so damn lazy. 
Now, here's the thing about comic books, though. I always act like I hate them, and then every time someone reads me, gives me one, I'm always like, at the end of it, I'm like, well, where's the rest of You know what I mean? Tune in next month. I want to binge read the comic books. I have to wait until they're a, uh, a illustrated novel. Graphic novel? You need a Netflix with comic books. That, yeah, that's the read. truth. Yeah, that's what. That's how a lot of people caught on to The Walking Dead. Was they just? It was the comic book was out for a while, and then they just released all the like box sets, graphic novels, and people just went ripped through them. Well, you could say that about all of them, right? Yeah, but that helped the TV show also. Just blow the fuck up. The, the, they like the TV show because people like zombies. There's not even that much zombie death on it. I never watched it. I watched the first season. I didn't stick with it. Uh, all right, can we finally do the spoiler to what happened on Homeland the other night? Oh, yeah, definitely. Everybody's caught up with it? Yeah. So yeah. turn it off if you haven't. Turn it off. I'm going to give away the big ending of Homeland. The big ending of Homeland. Because it's been almost a week. Um, before I do that, I'm going to just take one more call. This way you know I'm going to do a spoiler alert after this call. Uh... Tim, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B, big ass four two six seven six. Oh, should we even explain that? The really old school <laughs> listeners. Exactly. Uh, I've been listening to you guys since like 2002, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just wanted to say the best radio was when it was a mystery when Fezzy was gay and not like the homo says what things like that. So I would say go into the new channel with the mystery behind that and let them figure it out. John Minnelli, who is uh, a great radio programmer and was RPD for a while. Uh, but before that, he wrote uh, about it in um, the New York Post when he was writing for the Post. But he he loved the fact that we wouldn't give away. And he was saying the worst thing that you could ever do is say exactly what Fez is. And I'm like, John, we don't know. That's the fun. <laughs> At that point, when it was like, is he or isn't he, Fez did not even have an inkling that he was gay. He just acted like he was gay. And then when people would call up and say that you're gay, you'd be like, what are you talking about? So did he think he was straight or Fez? Did he think he, at that time, when he was... He, How do you not know? You're, I, I see, this is why we got to catch up with the <laughs> listeners. You've been on the show for seven years, and I know we explained that Fez never thought that he was asexual, always thought that he was straight, just hadn't found the right gal to get that thing pumping down there. And, you know, he'd never been turned on by a woman, but he thought that there was some woman out there that would make him feel sexual, until he started to have feelings for a guy, struggled with that for four years before he told me, struggled for another fucking two years before he told the listeners, and now still hasn't been with anybody. He's not going to be with any dudes. But here's what I like about that. If we do that angle, we can act like Fez has a secret and then do another Fez coming out show, and all the new listeners are like, this is amazing. Things are going to change for you now, Fez. I know it. Old, older listeners ruin it, though. Why would they? They're fucking cool. <laughs> they may be able to guess the secret right away. What is the secret? That I'm gay. Yeah, but you haven't had sex. No, not yet. See, that's the fucking thing. This is why this confuses people that try to listen to the show. That, oh, Fez did come out. Did he have sex? No. 
Well, then, is he gay? Uh, and all that is somewhat, I guess, interesting as a wacky reality show. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know whether we really want the new listeners to be thinking about our lives and just listening to jokes. I'm starting to hate these new Raw Dog listeners. They're really on my nerves. <laughs> they're demanding. Yeah, they want too much from us. Um, Ari, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah. I'm a pretty new risk listener, Ronnie, and uh, I was confused at the beginning, too, with Pepper Hicks, Chris Stanley. Uh, when I was in second grade, my second grade teacher always talked in the third person the first day. She'd say, Miss Johnson this, doesn't like this, Miss Johnson doesn't like that. I'd be like, who the fuck are you then? Where's Miss Johnson at? And I felt the same exact way when I first started listening about nine months ago. You had Jimmy from Seinfeld as your fucking teacher. <laughs> Jimmy's upset today. Exactly, exactly. I, I laughed so fucking hard. When I finally figured it out, I'm like, all right, now I'm getting it, now I'm getting it. But it was kind now of hard to board. fun, too. It laughed my ass off. All right, so what else were you confused about at first? Just Pepper Hicks, mostly, and... Fez was kind of confusing because he sounded gay and you guys talked like he was gay and like you were just saying, he's never screwed a dude before. And it was just kind of convoluted, but it was also kind of part of the fun and made me laugh and shit, too, though. So maybe that works when you go to Raw Dog. I don't know. All right. Uh, Curtis, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. To really confuse the new listeners, start talking about Earth 2. By the way, is, is BL the new crazy gen? Well, BL is actually the old Crazy Jen. She was my Crazy Jen before I knew Crazy Jen. Fuck. Now, here's Chris. Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, how you doing, Ron? Yeah. I just want to know why Pepper's such a dick. I wouldn't say I'm a dick. I may have anger issues, but I wouldn't say I'm a dick. No, you're a dick. <laughs> no, you're a dick, hey, asshole. You're calling up fucking insulting me. Listen... You're on a top-end radio station, one of the best stations in the nation, and you're such a dickhead. I don't understand. It is true, though. It is true. That's something you need to think about in Vienna. Why am I such a pain in the ass? Why do I act like everything sucks so bad when life is good? I appreciate things. I don't think I'm that much of an asshole. Take a look outside. The sun is shining. The sky is blue. Weird. It's almost Christmas. All right, Liz Sets Fire says, as Twitter producer, I will answer any and all questions people message me with. See? Tom, in Boston, you're on the Run of Fez show. Fez is gay? Oh, boy. Fez, what are we going to do with you with the gay issue? Do we drop it and go back to, instead of saying you're gay, you just say confused? No, because I'm not confused. I am gay. And gay things will come up. But one of the things that isn't coming up is your cock. That's no. what people are going to... Th this is going to be an adult show, not for children. So when people say you're gay, they think you had gay sex. Not that you're so not straight that you must be gay. I think the gay tendencies covers the gay area. No, 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 no. The gay act covers the, the gay area. The gay area. area is the cock and balls, and that's unused. And slapping it against another cock and ball. It's still it, in mint condition. This is, this is, these are the type of conversations I don't want to have at the new place. They're too confusing for us, and we've been here. Who can I put on Ron, Ron and Fez 101? I'll do it. 
The problem is you're the most confusing thing. And I don't want you in a 15-minute dissertation while you think you're gay and no one else does. <laughs> Castro, your brother's gay, right? Yeah. He's been with guys? Yeah. Is that what makes him gay? Yeah. Okay, so that's a problem. Uh. It's 125% of his gay grade. <laughs> it's, it's fun to mock, and that's all great, and that's terrific. And I want there to be a lot of uh, mocking in the new show, but they have to understand us. I think being aroused by a certain sex makes you that sexuality. So if you get aroused by, like, gay porn, then that's okay. what gets your dick hard. All right, let's suppose this. Uh, there's rape porn. You God. get Now listen to me. There is rape porn. Guys, watch it. They are aroused. Can the police come and arrest them as a rapist? No, because they're not. They're fantasizing. Uh, a guy who. But fucking, can't they arrest like people that look at kitty porn? Doesn't mean that they're going to go and rape kids. Well, that's Maybe because they just like the, it. that's because that act alone, watching it, is illegal. You know what I mean? Like that is, it's it, they're not even arresting you because you may go out and do something. The act of that is illegal. Isn't rape illegal? Yeah, but the fact is you're not watching real rape that you're aroused by. Or if you sit around and have thoughts of real rape, there are plenty of couples that have rape fantasies where they tie each other up. No one is arrested. These are people fantasizing together. This is why we don't arrest, let's say, Brad Pitt for shooting people, because he really hasn't. <laughs> He's know. pretending to. Um, and this is getting us further away from running Fez 101. This is the problem we have, Fez. We need something easy to describe it to the new Raw Dog listeners, yeah. not getting into a one-hour conversation of does it exist. You won't listen to a voiceover where the, guy, the announcer says, I'm not really sure what happened last week. It seems like Brody died, but did he? <laughs> when Brody got hung. Yeah. How come we didn't feel worse? Because they fucked. Because this season, they, well, at the end of that, between the last season's finale and this weird, weird season, we I think we we all knew it was coming. Like he was just like a, a wounded animal. So what? We that. all, you know, we felt so bad when Big Pussy got killed, and and that drug out for a year, but we were like, oh my god, that really happened, you yeah. know. Because we didn't expect it to happen. Like, I had my mouth open. I thought, like, while they were, like, lifting him up, like, Blackhawks were going to come no. down and, like, rescue him. Like, she Carrie has his baby. Like, he can't die. They have to live happily like, ever after. You just, yeah, but you were really, you were really rocked by it. Yeah, I, I love Homeland. And I was rocked by this season, too. Like, it was a slow start, and I was a little disappointed. But it was a lot of, like, Brody's daughter and just wanted her get out of the picture type of thing. Yeah, but everybody hated Bro Brody's daughter and her new love interest. It was just bad writing. Well, because they were delaying the fact. Where the fuck is Brody? Well, well he's, he's doing heroin in South America. He's got a drug like problem. most of us have. <laughs> he's digging some ibogaine. Mike, Connecticut, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie B, a million bucks. Mm -hmm. Hey, sorry, sorry, I'm on delay, so I'm a little behind on this. But I was thinking maybe the new listeners of Raw Dog, Sirius XM, Comedy Hits, 99 would benefit from a week-long programming bit of Ron Bennington, This Is Your Life. It's a possibility. It's a nice fucking bit that we could get together on people. 
Uh, Rob in Pittsburgh, you're on the Run and Fish show. Hey, maybe you guys ought to pick out a few cities and install them specifically, like you did when you came on the Opie and Anthony channel. You did uh, 50 things to hate about Pittsburgh. I wanted to kill you. Yeah, I know. Everybody gets, everyone fucking hated those things. I love them. Um, Marshall, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Castro, in this country, percentages go to a, 100. <laughs> we but, all know um, she made a mistake. We got it. We got it. No, no, but she's, you know, she's the evil left winger or whatever. Uh, oh, so um, I loved the intro you guys had at Accent. First of all, don't explain anything, because that's the best part of the show, is not knowing what the fuck is happening. But uh, that intro, when you first started XM with the sine wave sweep, booga booga boom boom, booga booga boom boom, and then, like, Samuel L. Jackson quote, and then, like, other quotes from other movies, you know? I grab a dog, and I choke him. You remember that? Oh, and then, uh, you know what? I forgot all about that. We have any of those? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grabbing them now. That intro was the shit, man. Why would we have sat around uh, talking about this after shows, Chris? Why wouldn't we at least went back and listened to old uh, things? Crazy. Crazy that we didn't bring that up. You don't even know where it is, huh? I'll find it. Yeah, well, I can't, you know, stall forever. Um... Kevin, you're on the Run and Fish show. Yeah, so are you taking Davey Mack with you? Uh, no. No? No. Now, Dave had a big uh, meeting yesterday. Yes. Any good stuff come out of it? Uh, the person he met with is going to talk to um, one of the sports people. That's what came out of it. And you've already talked to the sports people, right? I've talked to some of the sports people. This is not someone else. Yeah, not Yeah, not the head head sports person. Okay. Charlie, you're on the Run and Fish show. Ronnie B, uh, on the new channel, when you get there, play the signature bit. How many nine-year-olds would you be up in a ring? And I think all the new listeners will catch on from that. What That is the signature bit. There is nothing better. There's nothing greater. That's it. That's the top, baby. That's the top of the curve. All right. Uh, here's Mike. Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. What if you did an unmasked on his, you know, had somebody interview you guys? What if we do one of those things where we record it and I act like I'm talking to myself? You should interview yourself. And I'd be like, why didn't you just quit a long time ago and go off and do something else? You know he's not going to get better. What are you holding on to? Why is your dad mad at you right now? What does he mean by taking your knee off Fez's neck? (laughs) Actually, he said foot. Why would you take your foot off his fucking neck? I think I found the old XM opener. Ooh. Dramatic. It's particle, I believe.
Apuesto, hijo. Lo que yo hago. Lo que yo hago. Lo que yo Fezzi, did we change the song every day? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did at that point. Yep. Who put that together, Earl? Yeah. And I put a bunch of those together too when I was an intern. When I was like first, when I first started interning. I don't even remember us doing this. It was, it was like maybe there might have been ten or eleven different ones with different different collections of drops. Did we like that? It I seemed like it took too long for me. Uh, th that, that was the short version. I was looking through them. I, I can't listen to them in Q. I can't listen to exactly what's on there. But this one was labeled the short version. There's a three minute version too, labeled long. Wow, I don't even remember us doing that. Fez, why doesn't it ever come up when we talk about what we want to do as an opener? You got to answer me faster in the new show, though. Um, Brian, you're on the Run Fez show. Can we please, please bring back uh, celebrity birthdays? I really need to know whose birthday it is today. Did you used to do that, Fez? I no. haven't done that since WJFK. But then that would be it. That's the kind of stuff people are talking about. We're going through our whole goddamn career here. We're trying to get Raw Dog, Sirius XM, Comedy Hits, 99 listeners to catch on fast. Let them know where the fuck we're coming from. Here's our good friend, the blowhard. Hey, guys. Merry Christmas and congratulations. Yeah. Uh, that last opening, that was a very rare opening. The one that I remember was Brother's Gonna Work It Out. Brother's Gonna Work It Out. Oh, yeah. And then it went into, like, Grab a Dog, and it had Bill Hicks. It had, a, it had just a whole bunch of different clips. Sam Jackson, and it just kept going and going. That one you just played, that was a rarity. That was one that you never played. Um, Chris doesn't even remember our own history. I certainly, I would never listen to the opening, of course. And I remember your old rejoiners back at NEW when you first got here. And you were playing, like, Sergio Mendez, Brazil 66. Yeah. You were playing Rubber Biscuit by the Blues Brothers. And you would always end the show at closing time. And that was always a very sad moment. But I know. People used to say they cried about that. Yeah, that was me on the Vicodin. But uh, I used to, I really think that... You guys are just thinking too much about this. I think if you just keep the show pretty much as it is without the the soap opera stuff and just, you know, get on topics, you know, comical topics, strange news stories, viral videos, I think you guys just leave things the way they are. And the same way that I picked up the show, like when you first got to New York, I, I didn't know what the hell I was listening to. Uh, I heard Opie and Anthony, some construction worker friends of mine, and they said, check these guys out. And then I listened to you at night. And you guys were discussing uh, your favorite cookies. And we had a poll. It was really, really bizarre, like some of the topics. And uh, 
Then you had a serial discussion, and you went to this website called EmptyBowl.com, and we used to argue about our favorite cereals and stuff, and it was like, those were the really, really early days when it was RonandFez.com. Fez had a, a claim that he had invented a cereal. He called it Mokies, and it was a coffee-flavored cereal. And I always go, well, why would you pour coffee on it? I used to make them, so, no, you're going to pour milk on it. And yeah, it, it, it was uh, funny, it, funny websites you guys would find. Yeah, and you would just, you know, like it, the discussions were just like so, so, so hilarious and so bizarre. I said, I love these guys. You know, what is this? And I told all my friends to listen, and they were going, "Wow, you know, this is." And by the way, John Minnelli, John Minnelli in the New York Post did write an article about the best of New York radio in the Post, and he called you guys, remember, the gay straight duo. No, this is what was really funny, too. He said the gay-straight duo, but he put a fucking question mark after straight. Yeah. Like, we were both gay. <laughs> it was the funniest shit. Because it was really funny. For years, we did the Ron and Ron show, and then people would say to me, Hey, I got a question for you. Is Fez really gay? Is Fez really gay? And when, and when that show broke up, we started doing the Ron and Fez show. And that day, people said to me, are you guys really gay? And I was like, what? <laughs> the fact that we, you know, that it was like a partner thing, immediately people went, anyone who hangs out with a gay guy must be like pretty fucking gay. I guess they have sex with each other. <laughs> yeah. They are partners, right? Um, yeah, any W days, it was, I mean, it was just, you never knew what you were going to talk about, and that's what made the show so bizarre. Like, it was just really, really off the beaten path than anything. I mean, your competition was like Larry King or... Yeah, we crushed you know, or maybe those. Yeah, and uh, I, I just had such a great time in those days just listening and... Uh, See, that's the show that Tim loved. That's why Tim wanted to move us because he thought that, you know, and he's always like, get into that energy, and he's always going, like even when we had a meeting the other day, Fez, are you going to talk more? And Fez is like, Absolutely. And since then, I don't know whether it's the cold or whatever, but Fez hasn't talked at all. And, like, Tim is really pushing for NEW-style Fez. Like Fez when doing, a, like, you know, Uncle Fezzy's Pants puppet, which was hilarious. But uh, now Ken, you don't like any of those uh, kind of, kind of gay jokes, right, with... Fez? Yeah, where it paints all gays as pedophiles. What I'm about, against what about that. Kenny Allen? That was always funny, and you'd always fight with Kenny Allen. He grew up, though. How about Retard Martin? See, again, that's, uh, that's painful for you, Fez. Yeah, it just seems cruel at this point. When you but found was, out you had your own mental problems? Yeah. I just thought it was brilliant comedy, and that's what kept me listening. Uh, the, uh, the bits that Fez did were just, you know, just top-notch. All right, thanks, Blowhard. So the problem with those bits for you now, Fez, is like you feel like they're demeaning to you? Yeah, I just, they feel like bullying. Yeah. Which I've been totally against. Yeah, but bullying's kind of funny. <laughs> it's the same reason I've had trouble with you know, with the memory of my father since he died. And his bully humor. This is the problem that, you know, now you're mad at your dad for bullying? Yeah, I just, I've, there's other things that have gone on that have made me think my dad wasn't such a uh, great guy. And then all these things start pouring in. And this is, what other things? This is therapy stuff? 
Yeah, I didn't mean to bring that up. But well, well, I just go ahead and say it. That once you did. No, just certain circumstances that. Uh, Set, uh, here's what I wanted you to do. Instead of saying certain circumstances, let's get it out. Be specific, and then we can move on. Yeah, he left things financially in a really bad situation. So you're and, mad at your dad now for and, living a messy life? Yeah, it's a little aggravating. I'm mad at my dad. Still like to get. Still like drink. to bully people. Yeah. Especially gays and the mentally challenged. So you mad at him every day? It, I find my when I think of when I start thinking of him, I eventually go to anger, if not immediately. Wow. Do you want to redo the thing after your dad died instead of being all sad like you were? Just be like yelling out, "Who taught you to keep a checkbook?" The man who was in banking for over forty years, handling other people's money. Was it that bad? Yeah, it was really, really bad, and we had no clue. My mother had no clue. I don't know if my father had a clue. All right, so that's why you don't want to do Uncle Fezzi's pants puppet. Yeah, it's just, it's it's bullying humor. Well, what do you want to do? By the way, bullying humor and humor are very fucking closely related. Like, maybe the same thing. So I just want to find other avenues to go through. Well, what are they? It's time. We're like Hicks said, we're doing this in like 11 hours now. Yeah, I'm not sure right, right at the moment. Oh, we're man, li- we're man, man. We're literally at the 11th hour. Oh, God. God. To hear I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Oh, Um, here's, uh, Mark in Florida. You're on the Run of Fez show. I say you take it back to the golden age of radio when you and Ronnie Diaz were teamed up along with Fez. That was priceless. And the opening song, I think, was Done Somebody Wrong by the Allman Brothers. Uh, probably not Done Somebody Wrong. I think it probably was... Uh, Blues? Yeah, I think it was Statesboro Blues. That's a fucking good call. That song I only heard from the radio because I used to be driving in, listening to my own station to see how much time I had before I got there. Holy Just shit. in a fucking convertible, my hair soaking wet, <gasps> fucking hitting like fucking 85, 90, like I'm not going to make it. And literally see Diaz next to me. We would both be raised together. <laughs> oh He's like, oh, shit. And in those days, Chris, the only show prep we did was switching over to the AM news channel on the way in and just trying to hear one fucking story. You're like, okay, yeah, that's something I'll, I'll fucking say as soon as I get in. We never fucking prepped anything. Oh, my God. We were crazy. Wake up, mama. This sounds like fucking just chopping to me. Hey, John, John, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey there, Ronnie B. Uh, hey. I was just going to talk about how, how much I liked uh, Fez's impression of uh, uh, Paul Lynn doing the uh, Gettysburg Address, Abraham Lincoln. 
Uh, his impressions are awesome. He, he keep up the good work. Uh, Tony Dungy, all those. All right. Peace. Peace. Tony Dungy might remind Fez that his dad didn't keep a good checkbook. Did you know any of this about Fez's dad? No. I know that he left some things fucked up financially, but I didn't know Fez was, like, totally furious and now hates the thought of his dad. Uh, yeah, well, he said he, he before that he was pissed at the bullying thing. Like, he later realized that he was uh What did your dad mean. used to do? Push around people and... Um, Knock them down and stuff, Fez? <laughs> Just spit on them. Rob them. Just grab their wallets. He sounds like a thug, his father. Thug life. <laughs> that was his nickname. Fez, is there any way we can get you to talk to us? No, I can't see him any more than I could before when he was talking. So for all I know, he fell down and he's laying on the... Can you hear me at all? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm sorry. What was happening? Just trying to get on the phones. Ready? Why are you all upset? Where are you from? Because I was trying to get the intern back in here to get on the phones, and I'm just running back and forth. Not that big a deal. Not that big a deal, Big Cat. So you feel like you can't prep the new show because you're upset about your dad? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm working on issues with my dad at the shrink. Uh-huh. But it's it is in you know it's a mental block with me right now. Now what about this? What if we just did a short segment, just two minutes a day, and we don't take phone calls? Called you know Fez's crazy personal life, or Fez's crazy, literally crazy non-gay personal life. It'd be like a f- anything that I I just don't know how one thing happens. And then you don't know, and that keeps you from being in the moment. Like, I, I can't imagine a new show's coming up, but I'm thinking about my dad. I compartmentalize things, you know? It's the way you have to do it. Or is that not, is that not healthy? Uh, I mean, if you go to work, yes. I mean, if you go and you want a pack of cigarettes and the guy starts telling you, let me ask you a question. Do you think my girlfriend's cheating on me? You're like, dude, all I want is the cigarettes. You know what I mean? Please. Why would this job be any different? You're watching a football game. You don't want to hear a fucking see your quarterback call a timeout, run over. I don't know. I was really upset. My brother said something the other day. I don't know how I'm supposed to take it. The game's going on. I mean, it seems like he got everything in life and now he's jealous of me. <laughs> you know, it's not right. You know what I mean? Like, literally, that's what happens with Fez. I would love an after uh, a press conference after the game where RG3 just started talking about the fact that he's upset about something his parents said. You would be like, this guy is nuts. He can't quarterback. Or his wife. She's really been on my ass. So maybe do you think if you did a short segment, you just blurted stuff out. We don't take a single phone call. Just spit out this stuff. Like, what exactly did your dad do that's just the worst? I think the situation that he left is my mother in. But if if he left the debt, why does she have to pay it? Uh, her name is on most of the things. Well, then didn't she get herself in that situation? Oh, yeah. They went merrily into it together. But she also was under, unless she's lying about it, she's under the assumption that he had this stuff covered in case he died. What stuff? The house, that sort of thing. What's that sort of thing mean? Uh, 
paying off the house. He didn't pay off the house? Oh, no, no. Not only did he not pay off the house, he left huge mortgages. I don't know how it works. I've never owned a home. But he left a lot of debt involved with the house. So what is she going to do? She's probably going to move out. So why does that concern you about the new house, the, the new show? Um, it doesn't have anything to do with the new show, but it just it plays on my mind, and I start to get angry at my father, and then things go down the line like his jokes and stuff, and I find that all a little what, what making me angry. Jokes? What were these jokes? What did he do? You know his constant fat jokes about women that I picked up, and did you see what uh, Jennifer, little Jennifer Lawrence said. No. She was like, pulled the Fez Watley. It should be against the law to bring up women's weight uh, or, you know, say anything about women's weight on TV. They should be arrested. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, honey, you're great. And then when Fez says that, everyone's like, shut up. Um, She's the it girl. I do think, um, like, this thing shows us, though, where we sat around, we tried to work on one thing, and then we ended up back in the other direction yeah. is what, what happens with us. And also what weirds me out is we know, like, for two months we were going to do this. Fez, you were going to be announcer guy, and that's out the window now. Um, you don't know what you're going to do. No, no, I don't have anything specific to say. That's the thing that you want to do. That's the, that's the run of Fez one-on-one. Who is Fez and what is he going to do? You can't expect the Raw Dog, Sirius XM, Comedy Hits, 99, longest fucking name in the history of radio listeners to be able to sit down every day and go, I don't know who this guy is. They got to know who you are. Uh, well, let's bring back somebody from our golden past, the producer of the decade, Billy Staples. Billy. Oh, ho, ho, filthy Christmas, boys. Oh, my God, a filthy Christmas. No, I had to get that in first and foremost, of course. Are you doing <laughs> that this year? What's that? Oh, yeah, it's it's flying out. I just uh, filthed out Nevada and Mississippi, actually, this morning. All right, filthy Christmas is something that Billy did with his old partner. What were you guys called then? Uh, airsick. We were airsick, and if I wasn't doing it, if uh, the show on NEW, I was doing it for airsick. Uh, you know, airsick productions. We did a lot of song parodies for stations, uh, comedy networks, all that cool stuff. As a saying, I hate back in the day. Now you were doing it for O and A, and then you came on as our producer. Yeah, you heard it and you loved it, and I mm. guess. Uh, o and A were like always, as always, reinventing themselves. So it was a it was a blessing and a curse. It was the best thing that ever happened to me, hooking up with you guys, and you giving me that shot to come in and you know prove myself. It was the greatest thing. Well, you didn't do a lot of song parodies for us. You did more just like you, your own personality. Yeah, and uh, a lot of writing uh, behind the scenes. You know, a lot of bits and stuff, hoping to get them on the air. You know, it was tough competing with Fez. I would always say this: Billy would come in. I mean, every show. And I'm not making this up with 125 ideas. Every show. Well, that's what got, that's what, you know, you know, that's what I guess you saw, and, you know, when you said it was like either me or Mitch Walters was the best uh, gag writer you ever worked with. Constantly. And that's quite a, uh, and, that, and, was, that almost blew me away when you told me that in the hallway. Well, the, the thing about him is he would write 100 ideas out for the show. If you only picked three, he was like, great. 
You know what I mean? Like, whatever, if he got three ideas on, he didn't care if he had to write 200. He was like a machine, just kept going and going and going. Where most people, like, if they only write a couple, then it gets, you know, and they don't get on the air, they get smart. Like, the interns will come up with wire stories. And now, I don't know whether you saw today's. Yeah, I, saw I don't even know why they're still bothering. Yeah. I know I've talked to, in the after show meetings that, you know, this isn't the area for them, apparently. But they just still come in, and I never understand that. All right, play a little bit of Filthy uh, Christmas so we can play it for the listeners. This is a shits on Christmas day. Okay. One of the best. The shits can't hold it in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. My ass explodes without warning on Christmas Day in the morning. Uh, so you can pick it up there. The genius that is Billy Staples. Yeah, shits on Christmas Day. Billy, how can people get your album? FilthyChristmas.com. F-I-L-T-H-Y-X-X-X-M-A-S.com. All right, buddy. Uh, you got any big plans for Christmas? Um, you know what? Actually, going to spend it uh, after things went a little south. Going to go see my mom in the nursing home, and then my sister and her husband and me and uh, uh, my <clears throat> wife are going to go out to do dinner on Christmas Eve. Actually, now is this a new wife or the ex-wife? This is the ex-wife. Uh, that was the uh, the clearing of the throat. So I really don't know what to call her anymore these days. So, uh, so you guys actually... date? Sorry, do you and the ex-wife date? No. No, we share everything except the bed. So you guys are in the house together? Yeah, she pays me rent. I'm kind of her landlord, which is kind of cool. <laughs> I get to tell her to do kind of stuff I couldn't do when I was her husband. <laughs> so hey, you, you get the candy I sent you. Instead of having a loveless marriage, you just have, you're just like roomies. Yeah, kind of. Um, and it's really, really weird, especially when I want to raise the rent. And it's like, wow, well, I do all this for you. And thank God she's still sleeping. Otherwise, I'd be hit up there with a flying pan or something right now. Do you guys date other people? Um, I can't speak for her, but um, I've tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of difficult when you want to bring somebody home and you're like, oh, well, you know, my ex-wife is there. <laughs> um, you know, so it's it's a little difficult. But, you know, I can't blame myself for not trying. It's... Uh, you know, especially, you know, being as dapper and good as I'm looking these days, so. Yeah, Bill, you were going to come in a while ago, and then we haven't heard from you. you got to stop in sometime. You know what? Uh, when is your last show, Ronnie, for, this, for the year? Uh, we're just wrapping up now, but in January we'll start fresh, and you ought to come in then. I would love to, Ronnie. You right, know, you know, we'll you know get in what? touch I, with you. My own little demons come back and visit me for a while, but um, what do you, uh, it's been t- i got ten years to fill you in on. Uh, what do you, what do you, when you say your demon's coming back, you plan on going off the rails over Christmas? No, actually, the rails came and visited me before Christmas. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but um, I'm back. Thank, I'm back, and you know, I'm, I'm uh, clean and sober staples again. Uh, how many days? Thirty-seven. All right, thirty-seven days. Congratulations. Right, over a month. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I got to give props to Stan, man. Great call on the Statesboro's Blue and coming in with the uh, air sick, the filthy Christmas right there. Stan. Oh yeah, that was that was major, man. That was excellent work. Yeah, he is. He's strong. <laughs> Thanks, Billy. All right, buddy. Father Dig, Stan. That's a real good thing. That was really impressive, bro. Hey, listen. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, my best, Fez. I love you. Hang in there, buddy. Uh, 
like I said, have a Merry Christmas, a great New Year's, and I look forward to seeing you guys over uh, uh, when it comes to the uh, 2014. All right, talk to you soon. You betcha. Uh, Billy uh, is... He's always somewhat around the program, but I don't know whether he's ever hit that three fucking digit thing, you know what I mean? And I'm talking about for like 15 years. So it's more like breaks. He's the best. He's just great. Uh, I was at a meeting with him once where he just come. Other people are talking. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. All right, why don't we break real quick? Uh, I got to tell you, as we're getting into this, I'm excited about Raw Dogs here at XM Comedy Hits 99, but I'm a little nervous about what Fez just said today. That's weird. You're not ready to be the new Fez? Yeah, I will be ready to be the new Fez. I'm just having trouble being the new Fez today. Why? Your dad? Well, that's that's just a part of the mishmash inside my head. Well, what's the other parts? Uh, Paulo being here for eight days. I didn't sleep last night because he was up all night doing laundry. So I hadn't slept. My throat's killing me. Oh, God. Worried about the focus, Chris. Worried about the focus. We need those pills from uh, that uh, movie with... um... The guy that the guy the, the the bad dude from all right I fucked that up. It was really great. It was uh, yeah you're right. We do need that. We need that thing from the other thing. All right, why don't we break here? Uh, we'll come back, and I really want to you know put this together. Also, let's get into some Christmas talk. Uh, this is what's the name of the bit? The most disturbing Christmas specials ever made. And who put this together for us? Leslie. She's the best. Leslie's the best. I think it's because she's not mad at her dad. She's able to do these things. She has healthy family relationships. Uh, but these are like frightening Christmas specials. We'll be back. It's the Ron and Fez Show. The Ron and Fez Show on the OB Anthony Show. Sirius XM. <laughs> You've been warned. Only a couple uh, days left before Christmas vacation, uh, which is turning out to be for most people because we have the mid-week Christmas and uh, the mid-week New Year's to be the longest holiday anyone's ever got. And the weird thing about it is... Why can't something like this happen in the summer, where suddenly you find yourself with two weeks off in July? The summer is just, there's not enough holidays. I mean, we have to just make some up for the well, summer. Well, the summer is a holiday. That's the thing. For children, but everyone has to work a job over the summer. What about the French? Where they take August off. 
The French and the Spanish, actually. The people, they just, they just Europe. Have, Let's just yeah. call it what it is. It's Europe. They have holiday, which is a, th- a quarter of the year. They, could just, they just have ridiculous amounts of time where they just dick around. Well, what's great for them is they don't put as much emphasis on profits. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, you know what? We could do profits, but uh, who cares? All right, this thing that Leslie put together is great. Uh, and it's those weird Christmas specials. Now, Chris, is there a Christmas special that you always want to see? Uh, the, the South Park Christmas special is always something I love watching every year. Now, when I was a kid, when everybody else loved like Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman and all those, uh, there was a black and white, an old Humphrey Bogart movie called We're No Angels, where they were in jail and breaking out and blah, blah, blah. And me and my brother used to watch that every year. I was like, the first year I remember seeing it, I was like even like a little too young to get it. But then after that, it would be like this late night thing of watching this Bogart movie. Um, Since then, you know, because you're always into the regular, oh, you got to watch Miracle on 34th Street. You got to. But since then, with Christmas Story is probably as big. Scrooged. Got to see it every year. Huge. Uh, but let's go over some of these specials here. All right. Well, the first one is A Junkie's Christmas. Burroughs. See, I, I, I did not even I did not know William S. Burroughs did a Christmas special. It's he, it's a strange one. <laughs> it has to be if it's William I S. Burroughs. I think Brother Weeze plays it every year. And it's claymation, which is really freaked out. Well, it's just something that they did to his voiceover stuff. Like he had recorded it almost like a you know book on tape. Uh, and then they put stuff to it. And then there's uh, five characters in search of an exit from the Twilight Zone, which was what is was uh, where it's kind it's people, toys trying mm-hmm. to get out of a a box. It's really it's I remember man. I remember I watched it I saw it for the first time last year. I was like Jesus, Rod Sterling, you're freaking me out, dude. There, there was something wrong with that man. <laughs> there was something seriously wrong. And they're just trying to escape from this weird cylinder the entire time. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Do you have a weird or strange or just traditional uh, Christmas special that you need to say, no matter what? Uh, another is uh, Hard Rock, Coco, and Joe. Which is it's another stop motion uh, Christmas special, and Santa is just like a weird looking dude who has a chauffeur. I don't think I know this one at all. It's real. It's from 1951, so it's it's from it's from a long time ago. Back to when they really didn't establish what Santa was and <laughs> what he was doing. It was wide open because they say like in the old days Santa was not nearly as nice. Uh, there was a lot more emphasis on the coal. And it was a lot more of a frightening thing to kids. A lot more punishment involved. Yeah, a lot more. You fucked up. <laughs> you're in big trouble. I now feel like the cold thing like doesn't really even it's glossed over, right? You would be almost arrested for abuse if you gave a kid coal. <laughs> and even people who have done the joke like I gave my kid coal, and then you know we laughed and brought in the real presents. Those kids grew up to say. My parents were, you know, they're like Fez now, where they're just holding a super grudge. Well, they, and just, they can't, they'll never let it go. Mm. Come on. We did it to my brother one year, and he could not recover that Christmas morning. See, that's what happens. It, 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 it lost any kind of joke uh, to people. 
Um, David, you're on the Ron Fez show. Yeah, hi guys, million bucks and all that. Uh, Star Wars Christmas is always one of the scariest things I watch every Christmas. Um, you have to wonder what kind of contract uh, they had with uh, the, the stars of that to get them to do it. Well, but, I guess, now I'm going to assume this. Since Star Wars was uh, more or less uh, an independent film, most of them probably didn't have a great deal on that first film. And uh, they would find out that, you know, we need a little extra cash. And maybe even Lucas didn't understand what he had then. Uh, I think it was made in 1978, so it was... About a year into it. Yeah. And he afterwards, he tried to get that thing scorched earth wiped off of the, off the planet. Well, he, maybe it was a deal where, okay, we know it's going to take us a while to shoot the second one. Here's a way to keep the characters out there so the kids can see it. Like, obviously, it was a marketing idea more than a creative idea. Because all the characters showed up in that thing. Like, all the Wookiees, uh, I think Boba Fett shows up in it. And it wasn't like Boba Fett was a giant part of, this, of the goddamn movies. Yeah, he hadn't even been in the movies yet. <laughs> um, here's uh, Chris. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, we were just talking about the old gag where the parents hide, I mean, they put a coal in the stocking. Yeah. Well, my dad and his uncle, my uncles and everybody thought it'd be funny to put a bunch of empty beer bottles in my stocking. And I guess I thought I was in big trouble, and I hid the stocking behind the couch. And I kept asking me where the stocking was, oh, and I God. kept lying, saying, kept lying, saying, no, I, I didn't get one, I guess. And they bring that up every year, right? Oh, yeah, we all laughed at it. It's hilarious now. I barely even remember it. Um... And they were just drunk, that's all. It was just a drunk thing. They want to get a buzz on, it's the holidays. I don't know why, it's a really drinking time of year. Yeah. Family Vietnamese. Ron Zero Fez, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. This is a truly bizarre one. I remember seeing this as a little kid. It's the Smurfs Christmas special. I don't remember this either. Yeah, it it doesn't get a lot of replay. Well, because they weren't Christians. <laughs> it's always weird to find out why somebody who's not a Christian has a Christmas special. This is what happens in this bizarre Christmas special. Right? An old man with two grandkids gets to be saved when Gargamel helps a stranger kidnap the children. And the stranger is the devil and wants to sacrifice the kids who got kidnapped in a ring of fire. Holy shit, that's nuts. (laughs) And the Smurfs can save them by singing Christmas songs. The devil shows up in a Smurfs holiday special. Uh, Who's who's, who's digging this up? Some weirdo. TJ, you're on the Run of Fed show. When I was five years old, my grandfather told me that the year before, Santa came into his apartment, that he thought he was a robber, so he shot and killed him, and that he wasn't going to come that year for me. And that was humor to back then. That gotcha. was humor. Uh, Jason, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, a foreign movie that y'all might want to check out is called Rare Exports. A lot of people ain't seen it, but it covers the darker side of Santa. I kind of got into that a while back after seeing it. I'm not even familiar with this. No, I have no idea what Rare Exports is. I never heard of it. Uh, another crazy ass uh, Christmas special was Year Without a Santa Claus. 
Um, Santa Claus gets a minor cold, and because of this, he's thrown into a crippling depression because he thinks no one cares about Christmas anymore. This wow. is a Christmas special. You know, that, I think I remember. Go ahead, Fuzz. That's the same one where they made you think that a baby reindeer was going to die, was on death's door, and couldn't be saved. I don't remember this at all. I think I know the title, but I don't remember any of the details of it. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they were going to kill a reindeer. It's Heat Miser and Snow Miser are the big songs from that one. I'm Mr. Heat Miser? I'm Mr. Then Heat. I do know that one. But I thought that was like Santa Claus is Coming to Town. No, that was the first one. This one was basically the sequel. Of those Rankin-Bass puppet movies. Uh, Here's Mark. Mark, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Happy holidays. Hey, what's up? Hey, I'm Mr. He-Man and She-Ra, the Masters of the Universe, a Christmas special. Uh, at the end, the villain Skeletor converts to Christianity. Um. <laughs> no, not shit. I just—it's just bizarre because where did they even live on this planet? No, no, he—he he man was masters of the universe. Right. He was in some other crazy ass planet across the universe where I guess Jesus didn't exist. Or did Jesus go to other planets? I mean, it would only make sense if there were more life out there that he would, you know? Being omnipotent, yeah. That's why he came and visited the American Indians, and that's where the Mormons get their gimmick from. They get their own plants. Maybe He-Man's from a Mormon planet. Jay, you're on the Run of Fez show. So my cousin, brother, and I watch Just Friends every single Christmas Eve. It's like a terrible Ryan Reynolds movie, but it's so good. All right, this is J.A. Lawson's. I didn't know that. Now... (laughs) Uh, Just Friends is, is that the woman with the fat suit? It's, yeah, he wears the fat suit at the beginning, and then he, like, loses all the weight and comes home to New Jersey, and it's just such a silly movie, but it makes me laugh so much. Now, that one isn't all that old, too. It's right, what, like 10 years old? No, it's like 2005 or 2006 or something, and I don't know how we picked it up. Like, I think we watched it one Christmas Eve, and then it was like, we have to watch Just Friends every single Christmas Eve. No matter what happens, new tradition, Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit. <laughs> this was the uh, the first in a, a long list of, oh my God, Ryan Reynolds has a flop. <laughs> I think he's overexposed. He really has got more shots than anyone. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Have a Merry Christmas you now. You too. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Uh, Jason, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, how are you today? Good. Uh, every year, Emmett Otter's Drug Band Christmas. Put it on a DVD. The kids love, love it. it. Dad uh, pours himself with tall rocks, class full of anything, and we watch puppets uh, singing Christmas songs. The River Bottom Nightmare Band. Yeah, the River Bottom Nightmare Band. Those guys were badass. Yeah, they, they were. And you know who wrote that, that soundtrack, right? Uh, Deep Purple, maybe? I don't know. Paul Williams. Paul Williams wrote all those tunes. Um, here's uh, Libby. Libby, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. Hey. Our, our Christmas tradition on Christmas Eve is to watch the Albert Finney musical Scrooge. And we all sit down in front of the television, and everyone falls asleep before it's over. It never fails. I was always a big fan of the Mr. Magoo Scrooge, because it was only like a half hour and um, really good tunes in it. Uh, Lewis, you're on the Run of Fez show. 
Hey guys, uh, before I tell my special, I just wanted to let uh, you guys know and Pepper that um, He Man's mom was an astronaut from Earth, so that's how they knew about Christmas. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my, my Christmas special is the Yogi Bear Christmas special. I don't know the exact name of it, but I love that thing as a kid. I have to watch it every year. I forgot that one, and I also forgot the Flintstones used to have a good one where Fred had to take over for Santa Claus. Did he do a good job? Fuck yeah. Except for his own family. He forgot them. Oh, no. He was so busy. But guess what? What? Nice swerve. Thank All right. Um, Ed, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, how about the Davy and Goliath Christmas special? Go fuck a dick, Ron. What church used to put out Davy and Goliath? That was the Lutheran church. That was a very depressed Christmas special. Uh, very, very weird. It was actually a really strange kind of claymation thing for kids anyway. And they were never in a good mood. It was like a lot of brimstone stuff, right? Like there was, yeah, yeah. and it was, um, uh, you know, the, the, the boy was angry and then his dog was in a weird kind of borderline codependent, almost S&M thing happening between them. They were either in physical danger or spiritual danger. Uh, what else you got, Chris? Alright, next up is the Andy Williams Christmas special which it won an Emmy, but it was very odd because he was just hanging out with a bunch of child TV stars in, his, in, in Finland. Andy Williams and the King family uh, and Bing Crosby used to have all the specials. The, always the weird thing was you found out that they shot them in August, still. Oh. You know what I mean? That they yeah, and in California, but they always had a white Christmas. No one ever thought, "Hey, let's have a California Christmas." They always pretended that they were in Vermont. Um, then the King family—I don't know what they did other than have a special year. That's all they did. Work one day. Uh, they might nice. have even been spinoffs from Andy Williams. Um, Rick, you're on the Run of Fez show. Me? Yeah. Hey, uh, Ronnie, do you remember that Christmas special? I think it was called something like Santa Goes to Space or something. We used to watch it every year. Santa Goes to it. Space. I don't think I know that one. I remember Santa Claus like versus the Martians, though, uh, being one of the first big movies for me. Yeah, it was, it was a, that's a classic B-movie. Yeah, it's. Uh, I actually just sent it to my sister on... Um, on YouTube for her to show to the kids <laughs> uh, because she took me to that movie and um, you know it's one of those things like when you're a little kid you're like this is fucking fantastic and then years later you're like what were we watching what the hell was that all about the best movie ever uh, here's one that uh, I watched every year Wood the Woodland Critters Christmas from South Park now, South Park for years did Hanky the Christmas Poo. Oh, yeah. But they, they changed it up a little bit this year. They didn't do the Christmas Poo. They just had Cartman telling a story about a bunch of cuddly critters of forest animals who turned out to be Satan worshippers. Very funny. Very classic South Park episode. Jack, you're on the Run of Fez show. I remember back in the early 80s when HBO did uh, Rich Little's Christmas special. Like the, It was like a playoff of uh, The Night Before Christmas. Mm-mm. I don't he remember was, uh, this. He, he did like, you know, every character was a different, one of his impressions, like W.C. Field, Johnny Carson, uh, uh, Little Tim. 
it, it was like, you know, it was all 1960s and 70s, you know, pop culture celebrities. Rich Little's still around, man, still doing his scene. He's gotten a long run out of a couple of voices. They, a lot of them sound very... I mean, he's still doing like Bob Hope and people that have been di- dead for a long time. Um, here's Chris. Chris, you're on the Run of Fest show. Yeah, can't, can't be a Christmas without uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Now, I never saw this one. What's it about? Uh, Charlie Brown, he, in the end, uh, Linus tells everybody the, uh, the true meaning of Christmas. With, and this is uh, Charlie Brown from the comic strip? Yes. Weird. So they actually did a cartoon off of a comic strip. Yes. You ever see it, Chris? So it's like a moving comic strip. I don't. I don't know. No. No, it's the comic strip characters, but they put them in a cartoon. Yeah, believe it or not. Pretty cool. Now, when does that come on? Every year. Every year. When did they first do this? In the nineties. No, I, I don't know when they first did it. Mm. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't want to act like I never heard of it before. And, this guy's not like a you know, I asked you a couple questions and fucking blow me off. Um, Randy, you're on the Run and Face show. I actually built a Facebook page around this with a pretty good gathering over the years. It's Scrooge 1951, the Alistair Sim version. Um... Well, for me, in Scrooged, I always liked, I wish that we could watch the IBC shows. Those were amazing, the IBC shows, from that from that brilliant network. All right, we got a box up on the iBang about that as well. And this is a tribute to the IBC network on the 25th uh, anniversary of Scrooged. You'll love it. <laughs> Don't let it scare the dickens out of you. What an amazing, amazing place. So let's go over some of these. Chris. This is uh, the the first the first one of their holiday programmings from their big holiday uh, shows was the night the reindeer died with Lee Majors, where he had to protect Santa Claus. And it's just the shit because he tears it up. If this was on TV, it would never. It would never not get huge ratings. Um, we'll play a little bit of this. Here they are coming in to the actual Santa Claus workshop. And who's, who wants to see Santa Claus get attacked by, I'm going to guess Russians, since it was the 80s. Could have been terrorist. <laughs> and the workshops is getting lit up. It's kind of terrifying for kids, right? <laughs> uh, here's another one. This is, uh, and this will all be playing this year on IBC. Um, Father loves Beaver. IBC presents America's favorite family in a special Christmas episode. Hi, Mom. Where's Dad? Should have been home by now. Well, Wally, if I know your father, he's out chasing Beaver. Father loves Beaver. 
here on IBC. You'll love it. And this is one I'd kill to see. America's favorite family in a special Christmas Why doesn't Robert Goulet actually do that? It would be huge. Is he still around? Yeah, I believe Robert Goulet. Yeah, Robert Goulet's still alive. If he just threw the, the Cajun style on, everyone would they'll go nuts for him. One time I was in Florida, Robert Goulet stopped by and did our morning show, and he was supposed to be there for 15 minutes, and ended up staying like three and a half hours. <laughs> And we were just laughing our ass off. Was he cool? He was so fun. And he looked just like Robert Goulet. I mean, you know, there's like gold watches (laughs) and shit. Actually, he passed away in 2007. I was way off. Yeah, I figured. I think he he and Danny Elfman have something together. Because Danny Elfman did the music for Scrooge. And Robert Goulet was in Scrooge. Just a little small cameo. And he was in Beetlejuice. Danny Elfman did the music for Beetlejuice. And he had that small role there. Yeah, but very rarely do they let the guy who's doing the the film score decide what stars are going to come in. Um, I'm sure I got my stuff in front of me with my plugs. Who's who and... Um, with their names on it and all that. Don't have that? Don't have that. I mean... Um, Binary Dallas says we should use the Frank Cross promo for the Raw Dog Show. Acid rain, drug overdose, highway shootings. Now, more than ever, it's important to remember the true meaning of comedy. Don't miss radio's immortal classic, The Ron and Fez Show. That was the greatest promo of all time for anything. Oh, she's pretty. Twenty-fifth uh, anniversary of Scrooge. Twenty-five years. Twenty-five years. Amazing. Play a little bit of that Elfman, too. That thing was kind of classic. I know he has the same sound in a lot of stuff, but this was dead on. It's a great sound. is great in that movie too is Karen Allen oh I mean as the sweetheart maybe the most kissable face in history beautiful just a beautiful young lady with the sweetest heart of gold God, you're a little caught up on her huh well when she came in it was awesome yeah loved it having Karen Allen in uh, 25 years of Scrooged and oh god uh, this is just you're still writing after all the times. Would be easy enough to bring that up. Uh, 25 years of Scrooge. Bill Murray, 
Uh, matter of fact, Leslie brought this up the other day that that was the big turning point for Bill Murray and her uh, feelings. That was, That's when Bill Murray went from just comic actor to showing that he had some range. He had some dramatic pull. But I, I was just watching this film the other night. There's about three or four scenes in that that are just like fucking heartbreaking, including the end of it, when Bill Murray is just all choked up and he's screaming, I get it now. I get it. Well, the scene that always got to me when I was watching it was when he comes out of the Ghost of Christmas present and he finds the homeless dude just like frozen to death. Yeah. And he's like, why? He would've, she would have helped you. Right. I just... It, Kills me every time. It's so sad. And he's going like this. Come on, give me a happy ending. Oh, no. He's just so pissed. It's... He's so pissed. But that scene, the first scene where he's hung out, and he's just not sure whether he's tripping or what <laughs> the hell just happened to him. Um, it's crazy shit. Uh, don't let me burn with the brother crying. Oh, I mean, no. that's a tough... You know, it's a really funny, funny and... Sweet show, but there's some horrific stuff. We have got the writer, one of the two writers, uh, Michael O'Donoghue and Mitch Glazer, wrote that 25 years ago. And Mitch Glazer, our buddy, is here. Uh, we're going to bring him in with him. And this is always a, uh, a great thing. A movie star, his lovely wife, Kelly Lynch. Yeah, Roadhouse fans. <laughs> it's Kelly Lynch. Uh, let's bring him in. Uh, Mitch Glazer and Kelly Lynch. Five years since this movie came out. Mitch Glazer's here today. You're looking good too, dude. Thank you very much. What's with the uh, with the beard, though? As I said, I'm not going to shave till Magic City's back on the air. Oh. It's be... <laughs> and you I and both. I'm going to go in the same direction. It's a look. Me Ow. too. I hope. Uh, Kelly Lynch is here as well. Good to see you. Yeah, you, too. you guys came, I guess, into New York for a little Christmas feeling, just in time for some incredibly warm weather. Yeah. Out of nowhere. No, we, yeah. we actually got in Friday night, and then we had the snow on Saturday, which, uh -huh. was, which was cinematic. And and, uh, um, and actually, going back to, to, to the writing of, of, uh, of Scrooge 25 years ago, 26 years ago, we were writing in O'Donoghue, Michael O'Donoghue, my writing partner's apartment on 16th Street uh, off of 5th this time of year. So it, when you're writing a Christmas movie during the winter, right. it's cozy and the fireplace is going. By the time we were still writing it in like July and August, we just, we loathed each other. We hated Christmas. <laughs> the fucking holiday, I wanted to kill somebody. <laughs> but at, that, at this moment now, I mean, the week before uh, Christmas was always our favorite. And, and, you know, Michael and mine and also Kelly's. But, uh, yeah, kind of, uh, I mean, at the very end of, of writing it, we got to this wall where we had to decide, we had to figure out what, our, our Frank Cross could say what Bill Murray could say at the end that was 
honest for us. I mean, right. being too cynical SNL writers or whatever, and you know, not the most rom- you know romantic kind of homework guys. Uh, and it came down to, for one night, the night Christmas Eve. Everybody in New York is nice to each other. Right. And so that became the miracle. So that was the one thing we could actually live with. So Kelly and I come back occasionally to get a hit of... Uh, Just get a little piece yeah. of that, yeah. yeah. Of that moment. I always liked that. To me, that always that, that scene was always the moment of clarity that you've already bom- bottomed out, and now you're like almost like a born again. It's real. We were talking about this movie being so funny and shown over and over, which is a great thing about being a Christmas film. It's not going to go away. Ever, but it also I'm like, man, when you watch that with kids, there's about four scenes in that that are <laughs> fucking terrifying. You know, you know what I mean? There's four scenes at least where you're like, holy shit! When 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 uh, when uh, Billy when, uh, when the Ghost of Christmas Future opens his coat and yes. you see and you see the which is Puro Donahue. He it was based yeah. on some Spanish torture device that he wanted for his house apparently. But but uh, and he said he'd seen the trap souls and and uh, that was Michael's gift. And uh, and well, that was effective. They built that well. Well, I would say your stampling, um, stapling antlers on the mice is also terrifying. Oh yeah, yeah, cute little mice. Yeah, but it, it was it was we watched it with our with our daughter, and until she, I mean, like at three or four, I just wanted to like kind of like force feed her my career, and so she was, you know, <laughs> kind of like oh, you love Mondo Video, it's incredible, you know. But, but uh, uh, and then I could walking. just see she had that kind of the eyes went wide, and it was going to be years in therapy. So we waited, you know, till she was older to absorb it. Yeah, because there are some scary things. Well, we always do. I mean, I think because we all love that film, we all put it to our kids a little too soon. Yeah. We're like, this is so fun, kid. This is so funny. (laughs) And then all of a sudden they're leaping up because he's screaming, don't let me burn. Don't let me burn. Like, whoa. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, that is a little. I guess we all die someday, kids. I don't know. And Uh, that was Michael's. Michael Donahue played the, the, the priest chose the part for himself so as, yeah. as a casket's going into the incinerator and you know to be cremated it's michael who's reading the lord's prayer or whatever he's reading there at that point and and uh and for me because because dick donner insisted the director that do we be in the movie so he wrote a scene for me to be in that was supposed to be a christmas party it's christmas right. uh, you know present day christmas carol kane and the toaster and all that and because of budget or, or whatever it ended up being like three people on a couch so yeah. so i actually had to be in the scene and and the look of complete horror. I mean, literally, the movie comes out. It's my first movie ever made as a writer. My mother, who, you know, apparently, I, I assume, adored me, uh, said, called in and said, don't ever do that again. Don't ever go in front of the cameras again. It was terrifying. It was just embarrassing. Well, you, you had the look of, is this going well? You know right. what I mean? Like, that's the look that's fine if you're standing behind the camera. I thought it was the look of, how's my hair? <laughs> I don't know. It was a little hair thing. Do you do you look back and think that you look just like a baby in that now, though? Just I look like I, like I just snuck over the border. I don't know. I mean, the, 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 everyone else looks kind of festive and Christmassy. And then there's then there's the stranger on the end. But but uh, I'm glad it's documented. Just that. You know. Fez, do, do you know that Mitch is on the couch in the with uh, Bill's brother? I didn't realize you were there with the Murray brothers. He, yeah. I had no idea that was Mitch. Yeah. Yep. Go, go go back and look and then call me. The SS Minnow. SS Minnow. <laughs> what Should was the boat that. that took them to Gilligan's which, Island? Which is also <laughs> just so great just to see, like, here's his brother who doesn't have... Any of the successes, just having a great time, just chilling with his friends, you know. I mean, there's really so much. I mean, of course, you take it from the Dickens thing. Mm-hmm. And when you see that when you're a kid, you know that's good. But it's just so heavy 
and old and you can't get it. But when you, it really does work as a morality tale. It was it was a fantastic gift. Obviously, the structure is rock solid. I mean, you know, Dickens is the great the great plot, you know, master, and and so the three ghosts and I mean, the whole thing was so was such a a present to 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 adapt. But we went, Michael and I went and watched all of them. And we watched yeah. we watched the David Lean version. Uh, we asked Billy what his favorite was, which of course is Mr. Magoo's Christmas, which is also a classic. Carol, yeah, and, and so we watched that, and uh, and then we, you know, and then we both had worked for and with guys that that uh, that we wanted to uh, savage. So you know, so the Frank Cross character became kind of a composite of of uh, you know bosses we'd had, you know, right, and and uh, and setting it in in kind of a version of a, of NBC was easy. We've mm-hmm. both been up up there, Michael particularly. Um, but yeah, anytime we were lost or, or kind of questioning it, Dickens had the answer. I mean, you know, you, you, you knew it was going to end with that, with that great redemption and, and, uh, all we had to do was kind of bring ourselves to it, you know, fill in the blanks and, and, uh, and then, you know, know that Billy was going to do what we've written times 10. And yeah. Mary, Mary Lou Retton. Mary Lou Retton's jumping back in and in this thing. <laughs> it's going to be great. I mean, yeah. But, but, and, and, and when, you know, the casting got completely maniacal and, and, uh, I mean, at one point. <laughs> I, I, when I when I emailed you guys, Billy and I still talk about it. Buddy Hackett was was and, you know, <laughs> God rest was was uh, up in the top of the uh, set, and they they just left him up there for you know like we break for lunch and and Buddy and Buddy up there. And there was a moment midway through uh, the second day where he just lost it and and went full ter- Tourette's. I mean, the, the 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 stuff that was coming out of his mouth. You know, like the, the the most blue, you know, Catskills horrific comedy. I remember Murray. All of a sudden, they're like little kids because it was a you know the Christmas set and all that. All of a sudden, Billy went, "Can you hear what he's saying?" Because he was just spewing, you know. And and we had we had Robert Mitchum. I think in his last in role. I think it's the last thing he's ever done. Yeah. And and at one point, uh, he he was sitting there and, and had said to Donner that he wanted a piece of business to do while he was having the, the lunch with uh, with. Um, uh, the I forget his name. The guy that worked that, that was that was Billy's nemesis in the movie, um, really good actor. But uh, Bryce some, Cummings, yes, Bryce, Bryce, Cummings. Bryce Cummings. God bless well, you. And and, and and so Robert Mitchum turns to me and Michael. This is our first movie ever made, and goes, uh, "Boys, uh, give me a piece of business." And Michael looked at me and went, "Business? Like what? What is it?" And so Michael said, "I had a boss who used to clean his silverware when when before he'd eat a meal." And and Mitchum went. Perfect, and and took it, and you know, so we had him, we had John Forsythe. I mean, it was a, it was a collection. Oh, it was a, a, the unbelievable people in it. But you know, Mitchum, who everybody remembers as one of the great dramatic actors of all time, is hysterical when he's doing that thing of having the string and just right. some quick. I mean, it's fallout funny shit. He loved it too. It was, he, yeah. he had a great time he with it. Had a great time, and and uh, you know, everyone was aware when he was on set. But yeah, compl- you know. As all those great actors are and were collaborative, and and you know he and Billy did stuff together, and and uh, and and just the the presence and face was so great. Well, you know, you had to bring somebody in that could intimidate uh, Bill Murray. Yes. You know, I mean, that was the beauty of it. If you go back and watch that, you just see him, Bill Murray, just being this vicious prick, and then he's in complete terror of a guy who's being somewhat quiet. So you're like, who could that dude be? Yeah. You know? And and, and Mitchum had it in spades. I mean, you know, when he literally he walked up next to Bill and we you know, we were all thrilled. And you know, Forsyth was 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 the best. Uh the whole the, the Lee Majors? Yeah, when we had we, you know, <laughs> we had cast another action 
actor. I mean, in our head, Michael and I were writing it. It was it was it was another guy, and uh, didn't work out. And then, and then, like right before we were shooting, Bill said Bill called us both. We were both in L.A. Me and Michael, and said we have to go down to a spa to the the Golden Door and to Cate, Mexico. It was like a Hunter Thompson move, and and, uh, and we went okay, great. I mean, he said I got to get in shape for this, you know, and I've been away, and so he picks us up. We drive down, and it's basically a hundred Beverly Hills housewives, and me and Michael and Bill Murray. And Lee Majors. I mean, literally, clearly drying out or whatever, which is part of what we were there for. But but uh, so so Lee sees us and there's like the fact that it's Bill Murray, but also just men, quite frankly, you know, somebody could talk to. And he comes over at one point. We're just settling in. We've been there like an hour. And he comes over and he says, uh, tequila tasting boys over. We got we're going over the wall. And and, uh, and, and Bill goes, OK, let's 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 go. And we go to the, te- te- the tequila tasting, which was basically just getting drunk on, on tequila, as far as I could tell. And and, uh, <laughs> and then someone, during the middle of the night, someone came over to Bill and started asking for autographs. And, and Billy got up, and I'll never forget it, because it was one of the coolest moments of my life. Um, I went out following Bill, and Lee Major said to me, Mitch, I got your back. <laughs> I went, oh, my God, this is, like, so cool. We're in Mexico, and Lee Majors has my back. It's amazing. <laughs> and so we, that's where we got to, like, bond with Lee. And... and um, and then at the end of that trip, uh, we were leaving, and we hadn't really gotten pure at all. We hadn't. We had. You know, Michael mm-hmm. had just been stoned and lying in a cot for you got a couple of days. The opposite of pure. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. And and uh, they all resented us, really. All the the, the Beverly Hills women. And and um, as we're leaving, this woman comes up to Bill and says, uh, "I'd like an autograph f- from my son." And he says, "Great, but then I'm going to throw you in the pool." <laughs> And and I looked at her and I went, he really will throw you in the pool. This is not just kind of metaphoric. It's, you're going into the water if, if he's. She said, ah oh, ha ha, great great great. Signs it, and uh, Bill grabs her and and she drops into like a civil rights drop. I mean, she's just like, you know, we have to drag her by her coat. And he did. He dragged her by a fur coat, <laughs> threw her into the pool, screaming, and then we made our escape from Tecate. The the, the always the weirdest things about Bill Murray is in real life he's like a Bill Murray character. I mean he's just taken who he is, put it on screen, and that's his life. He's you know the most authentic, for lack of a better word. I mean yeah he is who he is. Uh, he's a he's a spectacular friend, incredibly bright, well read, uh, um, but but unpredictable. And, right, and, and in the moment. Completely yeah. in the moment, and, and and literally, you know, the, the, I, I can only imagine. I haven't been around him lately, but you know, the the avalanche of those kind of requests, you know, sign this, do this, or whatever. Right, and he does try to make it uh, a personal exchange. In that case, it was, you know, I will, but you're going to go swimming. And um, his brother was telling me one time though that he can't spend too much time at any one place. You know, if he's in a restaurant. He knows he has X amount of time before the word gets out and he's got to get moving again. Yeah, last year at the Golden Globes, we were we were hanging out with him and, uh, you know, and he wanted to dance, which is what Bill always wants to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why he's crashing college parties, because there's usually some good music somewhere and there's someone who can dance, you know, or wants yeah. to dance. So we we just got the DJ to play the kind of music that we wanted to dance to a couple of us. And within literally. 10 seconds there were 100 people dancing and it was a great right. party and then we had yeah we had to make our slip and then we kept trying to make it recreate it and there you know at the golden globes there are like 25 parties all around the same you know uh the venue but yeah he just he just does that but then he makes a slip he, and he has to right yeah he has to yeah back then scrooge he was he was doing it was the first movie back after a few years three or four years in, in france he'd, he'd done ghostbusters and razor's edge and then left the country and and because uh, things just got too huge and and um and this was his 
not a comeback, but his welcome back to to, right. to, to movies, you know, big Hollywood comedy. Um, and it was, and he he just was in great spirits and and uh, you know, a joy because I mean a lot of that, a lot of it was written, but then a lot of it was was him. Whose idea was it to do it this way at first? Did, did you get a call? You guys get a call from the studio or no? We got a call from a producer friend of mine actually, a guy named Art Linson who who uh, produced a lot of different material. You know, a lot of, you what know, was the book that he wrote too? It was like a pound of flesh. Exactly. Or, yeah. Yeah, and that was that was a lot of that had to do with some of it had to do with us. Michael and I writing um, Arrive Alive, which right. is, which was the first unproduced, actually two weeks of shooting and then shut down production. The only time I've ever been involved in that. But um, so it was I was like the Titanic of comedies, and and uh, and uh, and this was the second one for you know for us. And so uh, Art had liked Arrive Alive, bless his heart, and you know Christmas Carol is public domain, so it's a producer's dream. And, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, what do you think about updating it? And and uh, and Michael said exactly what you said, which was. You know, Glazer, if we nail this, it'll play forever. Yeah. And, um, you know, I went, oh, God, I guess you're right. I mean, I never thought of it being a Christmas classic. But it was so it was Art who said, come do a remake. And then we took it from there and made it TV guy and, and all the stuff that we knew. Well, you were writing with Michael Donahue and you met him when you were a kid. But yeah. I noticed that your name comes first that, it, in it, the credits. And by the way, completely, uh, you know, generous on his part in a way, but but is alphabetical. And, and and it was just, you know, Glazer O'Donoghue and, and he never and, and everything we wrote, all we wrote several things unproduced, but uh it was always in that order just because, you know, Michael was uh you know, honorable that way and, and felt that, you know, we we were doing equal work and, and also the things that we did together, uh that we wrote together are different from things we did it's a third thing, which is mm-hmm. a, as a true a true kind of uh collaboration should be. So it it existed as the two of us, as opposed to one or the other and yeah, I, I I'd met Michael. Um, I don't know if I told you the last time, but when when, when I was doing Belushi for the article for Crawdaddy, uh, he said, "I said, is there anybody you want me to talk to?" He said, "Go go meet Mr. Mike. Go Mike, Michael Adonio. He's the head writer on the show." And I walked down the hallway at SNL, and and he's in this room in the dark with like light coming through the shades. Um, I think I might have mentioned it with with a wall covered with nude. Amputees, and uh, as one does, and as and and so I sit down in the other chair. He's smoking one of those brown Sherman cigarettes, and his gla- sunglasses are on. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, this is the guy John wants me to talk to. And in that room, and we became best friends. And and uh, you uh, know that article, uh, which this yep, is the it. magazine. This was actually supposedly to be delivered when you did the unmasked. But this uh, magazine that you wrote about Belushi, it's so damn amazing. And I, and I was reading this over. The opening line, I'm going to have you read just your opening line because it it's not only the first thing written about Michael and John Belushi, but just such a life changer for you. <laughs> and the opening line is spectacular. And it was so him. Okay, this is the opening line of the first cover story John Belushi ever did, uh, June 1977. Michael O'Donoghue looks like a chemist in a Marseille heroin lab who sells children on the side. (laughs) He is main muse and writer on the phenomenally successful NBC Saturday Night staff. O'Donoghue's hair usually hangs damp across his head. He wears black ballet shoes, uh, which give him a dainty, light, lethal stride. Michael would would be very effective with piano wire on a dark, foggy street. 
Thin, delicate fingers are hidden most of the time, but he smiles often, a charming cobra smile. Then it goes on. His eyes, assuming they exist, are always covered by deep sea green sunglasses. When he loses his water moccasin smile, the shades stay blank and dark. He is like that, functional and sinister. Michael is an orchid, rare, decadent, and sickly. Pictures of beautiful nude amputees are tacked carefully to his wall. Uh, fondled stumps and secret smiles. What is John Belushi like, he asks himself. The glasses darken. Well, John can be a real monster sometimes. That's the first paragraph. It's just so amazing. Here's what I love Incredible. about that. You know, Incredible. because we, you know, talk about participatory, you know, journalism, that your life changes as you're writing this. I love the fact that here's this kid walking into this situation, but you never walk out. You no, know no. what I mean? You, that, this becomes your life. So it's almost like, right. you know, uh, you, you read in the thing where a guy looks up and he sees a beautiful woman and, you know, the way he feels. This is literally but you meeting your two best friends. Completely. And, and you're right. It was a door I walked through and never, never could find a, the way out again. But, I mean, it was, it was absolutely. And then deeper in, and I knew it. As you, as you do sometimes, I knew it as I was writing it. I remember uh, the girlfriend I was living with, I was saying, you know, I'd done George Harrison before at that point and Bjorn Borg and, you know, different people, Marty Ballin. Mm. And, uh, but this one I knew because I'd spent the six months doing the research and with them that they'd be reading it. I mean, these guys that, that I admired so much would be reading the, in, and literally I walked in after the, the magazines had come out and I heard Michael reading that paragraph, the one I just read, to Gilda and Lorraine and Jane Curtin. He was reading it himself, his own description of himself. I remember walking down the hall going, okay, well, this worked. I mean, you know, <laughs> Michael's in heaven. Well, no one had really written about these guys. And when you would go back and watch it, because everything was Chevy, you know, yeah. but the, uh, even to go back, the most dangerous man on TV, Saturday Night Live, uh, John Belushi, that the most dangerous has been is now part of our lexicon. It's been lifted so many times. I was trying to be accurate with it. I mean, you know, I didn't usually do the, 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 the cover lines, but they asked me to, and that was the sense I got from them, was, was at that moment on television, John was the most unpredictable and, and most dangerous, I mean, by far, and in, and, you know, in life as well. Uh, I saw uh, Emil Hirsch was in the mm -hmm. other day who was supposed to play him. I gave him your uh, email, too. I said, you got to talk to Mitch because... Uh, I, you know, at the same, Josh Gad is going to play Kinnison. These guys are like, they they weren't really around when these guys were there. I'm hoping they can grab that. It's tough. And and, and uh, when Bernie Brillstein was still alive, Bernie was, was John's close friend and manager, you know, and my manager. I mean, literally, um, John insisted he take me on at a time when I was, you know, I just barely working. We, I used to do my laundry at his house when we were there. But... Uh, Bernie came to me and said they want to do Judy and, and this group are coming together to do this uh, biopic, and I, you know, I'm sure I'm sure they'll find a way into it. And, and Emil is really interesting casting, but for me, so much of the story is his personality that it's going to be it's going to be you know a challenge and and um, to put it in the right context and all that. But really, it, it was John. I mean, it's you know, right. And so it's you know, it's a tough, but. Uh, but he's such a good actor, and 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 I guess we'll approach it that way, the way Dustin did Lenny Bruce, or right. you know, find find his own his own voice in it. Um, 
But for me, it was just too close. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, even though I feel, I love the Lenny Bruce movie, but people who know him are like, come on, that, right. that movie wasn't there. He was 10 times funnier than that. You know what I mean? So I don't know whether you could ever be okay with it, you know? Yeah. And, but, you know, Danny's uh, Aykroyd signed on and, and uh, to support Judy. And, and God knows, you know, those two, Judy and Danny, uh, as close to him as any people on earth and if they're endorsing it and 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 emil and and the rest of the company has you know them to to kind of draw from uh it you know it's kind of a safety net i mean mm -hmm. in a way they, they could find a way but but uh i haven't talked to bill about it to billy about um you know the movie uh but i'm curious i mean you know i don't know what year they're going to choose and and uh you know it's it's if they nail it, it'll be spectacular. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I'm hoping. But you're right. For me personally, watching it probably is going to be odd. And, and I already suggested Johnny Depp play me in the movie, but I'm, I'm not sure they're going to go for that. But. It was going to be a little bit older yeah. than uh, he should have been. But that's the, that's the weird thing that, yeah, you would like the story to be told, but can it? even be told you know be you know at some point you're trying to describe something which is just essence you know what i mean it's hard to understand it isn't yelling it isn't jumping around it's something else no and the energy of the guy you know the 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 life force i mean like yeah. I, I described in that in that first article as a force of nature you know that i'm i'm lying in my bed you know whatever trying to write with headphones on and the door blows blows open and literally the force of nature comes into the room uh you know start touching all the stuff in your in your room and get out of here and it grabs you and you're in a cab and all of a sudden you're you know making keith's hotel room or something right. i mean the guy was as danny called him america's guest i mean you know Ackroyd has some danny's story which really captures him is the, the great story of the two of them first season going over the border to canada to visit danny's parents and Ackroyd, of course, has all the the the, the uh, passports and stuff you need to get across the border, and the, the Mountie come in and check the car and stuff. And John's asleep in the back seat, and without him getting under the out of the cover, they go, "Mr. Belushi, welcome to Canada." And it's just like kind of like <laughs> blow him right through. And it, it was, you know, he was America's guest or the world's. But but yeah, that kind of the 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 kind of essence of the guy and the and the and the and the spirit of him is going to be difficult, but. As I said, you know, you know, Danny and Judy knew him so well, and and uh, I mean, and also, you know, the humor of him, you know, the, the 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 something like that that Animal House moment where where he's trying to cheer up uh, mm -hmm. uh, Flounder, I guess Flounder, yeah. yeah, and it smashes the thing, and then that that crashes of the the can. That was the essence of you know. I mean, John would do things. I mean, he he did things, you know, that were just monstrous, and 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 kind of in the spirit of his life. And then the apology was always so spectacular. I mean, you know, he, he, I was once dating a girl, and apparently she was married. And and uh, uh, and John, in, in a Whoops. fit, a, a fit of uh, honesty, saw this guy who was a musician, and and uh, said, um, you know, you leave my friend Mitch Glazer alone, and I'll kick the shit out of you. And the guy said, "Who's Mitch Glazer?" And John went, "He's fucking your wife." Uh, you know, which was n not the best thing he could have done, quite frankly. And so I, the girl calls me and says, your idiot friend just outed us, and this is like a nightmare. I called John. I said, what were you? Th he said, well, I was embarrassed. He didn't know who you were. I said, he's not supposed to know who I am. This is not how it works. Well, you know, I'll take care of it or whatever. And so I, we were driving. I'm with the girl. We're driving on Sunset, uh, you know, in West, uh, in kind of Santa Monica. And as we're driving in her car, I look over, and John is standing on the side of the road 
waiting for us to pass. I mean, there's about a million cars that are going by there, and he's he's standing there kind of forlorn. And we pull over, and traffic's honking, and he gets in the car, and he's apologizing. We go up to the house, and he said, what can I do? This is like a Bill Murray thing. He said, what can I do to make it better? And I said, jump in the pool. And he did. I mean, bless his heart. He was fully clothed. It was like 8 o'clock at night. And then I was like, okay, you know. Just let it go. Let it go. But you, I, I guess you had to be somewhat forgiving if you wanted to be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you cannot take it too serious. I, no, and I tend to, but 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 which just amused him beyond belief. And, and uh, you know, just it, we our relationship was, was kind of, you know, best friend or good friend and, and, and big brother, little brother in a way. And, and uh, yeah, he would torture me. And, and um, but then, as I said, the 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 the, uh, the friendship and the apologies were spectacular. I mean, um, he came he came to my house in Miami Beach and visited my parents when I wasn't there. I mean, you know, he was just wanted to meet my mother and her voice <laughs> amused him. And, and uh, no, he was he was the best. We used to go to the to the um, to the Schwitz, the, the 10th Street Baths and, uh, you know, yeah. East 10th Street. And uh, the idea was, you know, you'd be up all night and, and then you'd go to the baths and kind of they'd hit you with the leaves and all that. But the way John did it, he'd go, we'd be sitting there and then they'd bring, bring just a, a monstrous amounts of food and vodka and it would defeat the whole purpose of the thing. You know, we'd, the, whole, right. the whole thing would start again and be, you know. D- detox, but, retox, all in one. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah he's spectacular. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I, I pray for, I hope for them that they, that they, that they get it because... Uh, you know, anything anything less will be just horrible. Well, it's just, it's hard, you know, uh, when that awful Wired book was written, it's because the essence didn't show up at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the scenes that happen, but they've, and of course, it made it feel like it was really dark, as if there was assaults taking place, but there's no place that you'd rather be, right? You as a young guy must have been just feeling like this is my life, uh, a Wizard of Oz time. Completely. I mean, it was, it, I, you know, I don't regret a second of uh, of the time spent with him. And, and um, yeah, it was, it, the, the for the most part, I mean, the part that, at the time when I, uh, Judy asked me to, to sit with uh, with Bob Woodward to, to interview for, for Wired, I could tell by the questions, you know the way he was he was you know as a as a journalist of my in my own right but i could tell what he was focused on and it was really just the drugs and so i kept saying yeah but that wasn't the good part yeah. i mean that was a small part or or whatever you know we all fell in love with him for who he was and 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 the, and the heart of him and after the interview and he kept saying okay great but the last week you saw him of his life he just kept going back to that thing um there's before cell phones i called judy from the payphone it was at 15th avenue downtown in the restaurant then and I said, he's going to kill us. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, this is going to be, this is a guy who, who's, you know, never gotten in high his life and, 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 and is looking through that prism of darkness. And, 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 and he'd know, already written the book. He really, head, had, you know, I think he re- was look, looking for quotes to support his right. thesis on this is a dark guy. This is a dark time, a dark yeah. world. I mean, <clears throat> the things that Mitch or Mitch has mentioned in the book are things he doesn't, you know, that didn't really happen. A lot. Some of the things, you know, certain ways of looking at certain parties or things are kind of. But it is, it is, it is context, and also, it is uh, commonality of experience, and and that's the one thing. Not not the one thing, but that is a thing that that obviously Ackroyd, Danny, and Judy will bring to the movie is the joy of it. I mean, you yeah. know, it, you know, wasn't, um, you know, if you focus on anyone's worst week of their life. It's going to be a it's going to be a dark tale. Absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and that's what he did. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, if you're writing a novel 
and it ends up uh, a car crash, it's going to feel like doom is on this trip the whole time because you know it. But at the time, you could be having the greatest vacation ever. But it ended that way. It didn't end that way for everybody. We, we were all around in the 70s. Everybody was getting high. It wasn't just for rich people. It wasn't for famous people. We were doing it in school. And, of course, he, he panicked at the thought of that yeah. when he wrote the book. You know, and, and, and didn't want to hear or couldn't acknowledge, you know, obviously the obvious kind of heart and magnetism and, and, and sweetness of the guy right. just said there was no room for it in that. And, and you try to describe situations, which is going to be part of the problem with the movie is, is to try to, you know, give it, give it dimension and give it, be, have it be accurate, you know, but, uh, but no, I mean, traveling with John, I mean, I, I told Kelly, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a great flyer and, and, uh, he and I were once flying back from LA to New York and he had this white, it's in pictures, actually. It's a white kind of a newsboy cap that he was really proud of, and he just thought it was really cool. And and uh, I had, you know, as always, taken quaaludes to get on the plane. And and <laughs> and as I was coming, we were sitting next to each other. And as I crossed over him, I knocked over his glass of Coca Cola on his hat, and it was like, a, oh my god! I mean, this is like my favorite hat or whatever. So I go to the bathroom, I come back, and I knock it over again on the way back, getting back to my seat again. And he's just he's just like looked at me, like, oh my god, get a net. This is a, you know. Um, you know, the, the, you know, those things that you have with friends, just, just, right. you know, not, not involving celebrity or anything, just kind of, you know, the way he saw the world and, and, uh, we had, yeah, great times. And, and if anybody can get, can capture it, I mean, the, the group that they got they put together, it was just for me and, and I flirted with it, but I kept thinking of it through my own lens as my favorite year. Uh, sure. It'd, it'd be put, told through through my, my character story of of just witnessing the way that article was. Um, so that was the way I was trying to find find my way through it of of uh, you know kind of stumbling into as you say stumbling through that door and. Uh, well, that, this is your life is to me uh, my favorite year along with the Cameron Crowe movie. You know mm -hmm. because it's it's more of. You know, Cameron Crowe's that same age that took place, which, by the way, Crowe did such a great job in that film of capturing that uh, thing of this is my, my tribe, which reminds me of you. But my favorite year is the actual building. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. that was where it all was really taking place. And a similar, you know, the the, the, the structure, the construct of a, a writer's room. And, I mean, I wasn't a part of that. Uh, I was there as a magazine writer. But you're right. I mean, same, virtually the same floor of the same of the same room and, and live TV and and how it affected these guys and and uh, and you know and and kind of that in their case that kind of uh, us against them the first two years in particular where people were just starting to catch on I mean you're right Chevy Chevy was the guy but no one really knew who Aykroyd and Blue Shoe were in the beginning and and uh, you know Danny used to they basically lived in their offices I mean it was mm -hmm. that office was hysterical it was like uh, an archetypal college dorm room taken over by Hunter Thompson. I mean, it was just insane up there. Shoulder pads, as I described it in the thing. Motorcycle parts, shoulder pads, bags of dope, just, you know, uh, <laughs> like a tequila bottle upside down, you know, draining as you walked in. and, and All uh, the necessities. Exactly. Um, and you know what's funny now is, like, the Saturday Night Live kids come over, and they're all really talented, but they are all so professional. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they come from a background. They sing. They dance. They, And you're like, and they're, like, there, and they're working hard. But 
back then that would have been considered insane. When Bill Murray played Hunter Thompson is what we thought of as creativity in those days. Like how far can you push it and then show everybody? And that and those two guys, I might have I might have told you, but but uh, John and I went to pick up Billy. Bill Murray was staying at the Universal. Uh, Hilton or whatever it is, there or Sheridan or something, with Hunter when they were shooting the movie, and we, we pull in to the to the round you know driveway and we see Hunter and Billy fighting with with those standing ashtrays outside <laughs> like 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 gladiator style and and John just goes keep driving we literally just kept going around the circle right back out like the rearview mirror you see like shit flying everywhere and you know that could come up on any given day yeah I mean it's just you know uh, Mitch Glazer sitting in with us it's 25 years for some reason since Scrooge and Mitch wrote that with the Great, Michael uh, Donio, uh, Kelly Lynch is here with us as well. They're getting their Christmas kind of winter buzz on. Then you guys are heading back to L.A. for, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I had a birthday on Monday, and and uh, and now we just it's just about the day, not the year. And um, and <laughs> and and then to get a hit of this this you know this Christmas because it does write it, it reminds me so much because we haven't I've lived here in a while of of writing the the movie with Michael which is a was a spectacular time for me did you when you guys were writing this did you feel like you were being compared with Dickens or did you feel like you were going to be compared with Ghostbusters uh you know because they were both it's true. just and giant things that were happening we weren't we were, we we didn't really consider ghostbusters i mean i think dickens was on our mind just just because you didn't want to violate any more than you had to or if you're going to violate it it better work you know a classic like that but our original i mean the there are cases of notes uh our original ghosts and what we what how we got to to this place but i remember we were trying to find a backstory for frank cross why why he was so evil and hated christmas so much and Michael came up with a notion, and we worked it on t- out together that uh, his father had been a drunken crash salesman, and uh, which never got in there. But and that there was an evil cabal of of of, of like merchants that 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 uh, create the crash animals, and that his father, uh, Frank Cross's father, had to sell Tusky, the little brave little elephant that saved the baby Jesus or something, because <laughs> they they realized that everyone had bought all the camels and all the stuff, and they, now they had to discover a new one. And so we did like a whole story about, you know, Tusky the Elephant and how Frank Cross's drunken father <laughs> drove from town, you know, with him in the back seat. And, and uh, I remember telling somebody at Paramount, and they went, well, that's just never going to get in. <laughs> you know, just throw out Tusky and the evil cabal of you know, Jewish merchants or whatever. Uh, having his brother play his dad, though, and the uh, Merry Christmas Frankie Angel, Niagara Falls Frankie, just so great and and Brian Doyle is is a, a friend and I just think he's spectacular talent and and when I first met uh Bill Brian was was John's age and they were co- you know contemporaries at, at Second City and he was kind of like the famous Murray and 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 proved proved to be I mean he's so mm-hmm. talented and that moment Michael was in New York at that point when they were shooting that scene and it was defining because I never really uh, you know we had never had a movie made and and I remember Dick Donner and Bill turning to me at one point saying um we need a joke here and, and like my bowels clenched. It was like, where's Michael and how do we do this? And a joke. And 
and that, that's where that, that 20 pounds of veal came from. Was, was, Unbelievable. Yeah. Too. <laughs> Unbelievable. To a child. You know. And uh, David Johansson in that thing. <laughs> it's a bone, you lucky dog. I mean, I just scream along with the movie for years. But the weird thing about it being a Christmas classic is, so you know you've seen it 25 times at least, you yeah. know, and you've probably seen it twice uh, every season. So it's like 50, and then after a while you're like, Wow, I've seen this movie more than I saw Goodfellas. This is uh, crazy. Or my kids. Yeah, yeah, but they have to sit there and watch. Fez, you put together uh, some trivia questions for us, and these are going to go up on the Interabank, too? Yeah, that's going up on the Interabank. It's also as if the, up on the website, as if the, the specials uh, that Frank Cross was selling were already playing. That would be great, just to have a night of those things. We had so much fun, as you can imagine. I mean... Um, you know, the night the reindeer died was clearly, it was clearly, you know, Lee Major, thank you for saving us from the tequila tasting. And, and, um, and he was great in it. Um, but my favorite is, is Father Loves Beaver because, <laughs> you know, for all the reasons. But, 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 you know, that was just, we're trying to find, think of some way to, uh, you know, because a PG Christmas movie, as you said, your kids are watching, you just, right. you know, some way to get that in there, you know. Well, if I know your dad, he's out chasing beaver. But the, uh, what's the, the Bob Goulet's Cajun uh, Christmas. Christmas is so oh. funny. And we got him. Oh. Yeah. And he was so sweet. I mean, you know. He was a real character. I had him on years ago in Florida. And he was a real old school Vegas totally. character. Yeah. And those dudes, they might have presented one way, but they lived the same life you're talking about off screen. They got you he, know those guys got it. The one that I'm not sure was was with us was John Hausman. <laughs> not positive that, that Sir John, as, as Michael kept calling him, uh, that Sir John Hausman um, understood. The context. America's favorite old fart. <laughs> it's so new. It's yeah. so he funny. He didn't sign off on that, I'm sure. But, you know, do all the great Mercury Theater work to be insulted by us. All right, uh, Fez, let's play along some of these. Um, give us the questions and see if we can come up with it. All right. I haven't heard any of these yet. Chris, have you heard? No, I've not. Uh, but, by the way, the weirdest thing about this, terrible Mitch, this. Yeah. is it really is just... Of a certain age group, it's their favorite Christmas thing that no matter it, it's one of those shorthand ways of jumping in with people. So let's play some of this. So you think you know Scrooge? You're a light, my just. All right, Fuzzy, give us some of these. All right, in Frank Cross's promo for IBC Scrooge, uh -huh. what is the tagline for the terrifying ad? Is it, don't watch it alone? I think we just did it, right? Your life maybe depends upon it. Yeah, that one's kind of an easy one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're already I, I in. I thought it was, you'll love it. You'll <laughs> love it. Well, if I was the head of this na uh, this network, and I am, <laughs> I also love the scene where he's just looking down at himself in the mirror. That's only yeah. that was Bill Murray. That wasn't in the script. That was just you it's know, such and he a smiles. W I, it, it's like one of the worst ways that you'd ever want to be photographed from, though, which is hysterical. All right, what are the gifts that Frank and Claire exchanged on Christmas Eve when the ghost of Christmas past takes him back to I know 1969? Knives. I know knives. 
Uh, did he get the book, uh, the Kama Sutra book? Exactly. Yeah. That is it. Exactly. But but uh, also the art what, of love. My, yeah, what, what I also like is going to like this. These were great knives. He's trying to explain it. <laughs> they can cut through a can. And you see that he's so embarrassed <laughs> looking back. I've never liked a girl enough to give her 12 sharp knives. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> but you know what is great? Like right after that is like when he knows the breakup is coming and he's just holding the back of his. If you had to sit through all the awful things that you've done in your life. Painful. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it really oh. was. Oh. And, then, and she's so, Karen Al is like the girlfriend. She was so perfect for it. and, and Maybe the most kissable person in the history of the planet Earth. She was adorable and a, a really good sport, because you can imagine. But, but uh, yeah, he just picks her up all the time. I mean, off camera. That's his thing with girls. It's like Bone and Marley. I, I mean, literally, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he made it to camera. Exactly. All right, this is a process of elimination. Okay. Which of these musicians were not part of the scene where Frank Cross harasses the street players? See, this is always a good trivia thing good. for with your friends when you lay on them to just say, all right, go ahead and do it. All right, here's the choices. Who wasn't part of that scene? Miles Davis. Miles was in it. Dave Brubeck. Paul Schaefer, David Sanborn. Sanborn was in it. Schaefer was in it. Brubeck. No. It's Brubeck. Yeah. Well done. And and actually, you know, we they, they, we did it live on on Fifth Avenue, and uh, Billy was walking past. You know, he's having this fight with his brother. But you have your perfect whatever, and um, and the whole time Miles Davis is playing. I, I just kept literally as I was playing. It was, a, it was our first scene shot of the first movie made. That Michael and I had ever had uh, made, and all I kept thinking was, Miles Davis. Is Miles here? Davis has he ever been in a film? Never. And Billy was giving shit the whole time, you know, <laughs> completely. Like, you know, I mean, he, he says it in the thing, you know, yeah. get some lessons or whatever. Yeah. He throws throws some money in. Uh, yeah, you know, it was freezing cold. It was Christmas week, and they were shooting there. And by the way, it sounds amazing. Like you that really, horn? yeah, that yeah. Horn. you just want that to go on for a while. Uh, but I also love the fact is that you can still that Paul Schaefer had some hair. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I bet Paul loves going back and watching this. Uh, we're talking about Scrooge. And Mitch uh, and Kelly, you guys have known every question so uh, long. 25 years since Mitch wrote this with Michael O'Donio, which uh, is insane to me. Um, give us the next one, Fez. A little tougher here. Ooh, who's that? She's pretty. What paper carried the headline, IBC Kills Old Women, Old Woman? Well, it's a tabloid, so it's got to be, is it a real paper? Is it the, it's got to be the news or the post. So I got the daily. Go ahead, go ahead, give it. The Daily News, the Post, the Times, the Village Voice. I know it's not the Voice, and I know it's not the Times. I'm leaning towards Daily News. Do you know this one, I saw, Mitch? I sure don't. I remember seeing it. I, I, I don't think I saw the big post read at the top, uh, but it's a, it's a real paper then. Yeah. I'm going to go Daily News. X, you know? I think it's the post. I feel like the post is what's used in movies. Yeah, but you, I don't remember. And also, 25 years ago, it might have predated full-on post, you know, Postiness. Post-ness. Domination. <laughs> yeah, post-domination. Yeah. I mean, the other one's bigger. Yeah, and, and I don't remember. Normally, the, the post-headline, because the red, jumps out more. The answer is the Daily News. All right. Well, we were lucky well, with that one. We were lucky, though. It's amazing to let us use it, truthfully. It is, isn't it? These days, forget it. It would be something else. Who told California Slimeball Bryce Cummings, <laughs> there is no I in T-E-A-M? Was it his track coach? 
His fencing coat, fre- uh, fencing coat. Did you just say fencing uh, coat? Oh it slipped. Fencing. His, his <laughs> fencing coach, his lacrosse coach, or his life coach? This is an easy one. This is an easy one. That's his lacrosse coach. It is his lacrosse coach. Which, by the way, he was so hateable in that. And led to maybe at the time the cringiest joke, which was the Richard Pryor joke. Oh, my God. And by the way, I'll, I'll give him the good, the good and the uh, off, uh, you know, off color. But this was Bill, I think, as I recall. Maybe we had it in there. I can't remember. But I don't know if you remember. He falls down right after he says that line. Yeah. And it was it was real. It was in the take. He slipped on water and, <laughs> and, and, and fell down. So it was like God's will. I mean, he actually said the joke and then boom, yeah. went down. The whole crew clapped. And, and, uh, um, but, and Donner had worked with him in the, in the toy. Oh, that's right. Right, so they knew each other, and uh, yeah, it was a, a bold joke. I mean, but yeah, it was paid, a little too soon. Yeah. You yeah. know, as years go by, you don't really get the same kick in the stomach from that joke, and it just seems funny. But at the time, I remember doing a cringe. Yeah, it was it was, it was rough. Yeah. One. Elliot Loudermilk is leaving early today. <laughs> what was the time between Elliot Loudermilk being fired and then thrown to the curb by IBC security? I know how fast he said for him to do it. He said do it in five minutes. Right. So So you're saying it's not five minutes. No. He uh, Frank Cross actually checks his watch, clicks it, and has an actual time that it took uh, between uh, Elliot being fired. Oh, Am man. I right that he asked for five minutes, he though? Does if, yeah. yeah. So the, All right, let's go. The let's choices are two minutes, 32 seconds, four minutes, 40 seconds, six minutes, 25 seconds, 24 hours due to some red tape in HR. No, I know he said it wasn't it like a record or something. Yeah. Doesn't he yeah, make a, a joke record. about that? Yes. <laughs> so cool. He's fired so, so many awful. people. But it's Christmas. Then stop his bonus. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the other funny thing is when Grace just starts fixing his pants. Talking <laughs> 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 man. And he's drinking. And he's yeah. drinking and letting it out. And, and you're like, this must happen a few times a week. He's belching as he's down in the yeah. drink and saying, excuse, excuse me. me. Excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. Pardon yeah. me. Yeah. And he drinks, God, he drinks Stab. Uh, it was totally Tab. Was it was the drink? In fact, I remember getting a case of both. But yeah, it was, I'll have a Stab. Uh, so what are our times again? Two minutes, 32 seconds. Four minutes, 40 seconds. Six minutes, 25 seconds. I'm leaning 440 because it's closer to the five minutes. Mitch just doesn't even. Uh, you know, it probably was a Billy Adlib. I'd say 440 as well. All right. It, it is 440. Yeah. Whew. That's why he gets paid the big money. Yeah. Coming up with that number. It's a joke number. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of the shelter that Claire ran? Oh. You see it on the business card that Frank Cross holds, and then, of course, when he actually does find the shelter. Yeah. At least I work in a place that you can find. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in the movie. It's really great. It's really great. I want to it fuzzy. Operation Reach Out, Operation Rescue, Operation Goodwill, Operation Desert Storm. I'm in trouble here, Mitch. I think Reach Out. Operation Reach Out. We're going to go with it, Fess. It is Operation Reach Out. Oh, good. Gap is going. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to be as little as possible. <laughs> yeah. I was in trouble. And we actually added that thing about him doing Richard Burton because it's, it was something at the time Billy was really proud of. And, and uh, Michael and I went, let's just torture him with it. And, and uh, 
he used to do a Richard Burton impersonation. It's know. so funny too, and room. just out of nowhere, yeah, out of just <laughs> nowhere, <laughs> this thing breaks. Michael in. J. Pollard, <laughs> yeah, uh, unbelievable. unbelievable. What a, yeah. And he was so great and so sweet, and and uh, you know, uh, kind of legendary at that point to us, anyhow. You know, from from Bonnie and Clyde and Bonnie and, and Clyde yeah. and the Star Trek, and then yeah. he'd done all kinds of strange movies. I mean, he was always like he was like the independent guy before that even existed. Completely, you know. Yeah. And Anne Ramsey in that scene, yeah. so just sweet. perfect. She was so, and her husband. I forget his name, but but uh, yeah, and Anne was really ill. That was a, a Dick Downer thing. They worked, they knew each other or whatever, and and uh, yeah, she was she was ill, she, and, and she just did a beautiful job as well. But but Billy doing his Richard Burton still, you know, makes me <laughs> laugh. It is so funny and just so <laughs> odd. Yeah. It's just for Eva. <laughs> <laughs> by the I swear, by the I fall swear. <laughs> Next question. What was the incorrect? So pay attention to the question. What was oh, the incorrect? Pay attention. Yeah. What was the incorrect answer that James and Wendy gave when asked the trivia question on the Adams family? What musical instrument did Lurch play? What was their wrong answer? Oh my God! Violin, saxophone, piano, harpsichord. Well, we knew he played the harpsichord, so that's out. But I got to tell you, I don't remember what the incorrect Violin. was. Was it violin? The incorrect answer was piano. Oh. oh. By the way, that was, the, the, Wendy Malick was my then wife, now clearly ex-wife, uh, was uh, Wendy in in uh, in that scene. I mean, she's she's now on uh, Hot in Cleveland, I think. Or yeah, Hot in Cleveland. Yeah, and and she played uh, uh, Billy's brother's wife in that scene. It's amazing yeah. casting when you think about just He's how many people. You know, Bobcat yeah. in that film was so great. He was fantastic. He was unbelievable. Yeah. And as you said, Johansson, I think I think Billy had seen him, Murray had seen him, I don't know about act, but somewhere, I mean, we, obviously I knew him from Cry that I knew of him from, from the dolls and stuff, um, but that was, I think, Murray's idea. Uh, but yeah, it was so deep. How about Carol Kane and the toaster oven? Unbelievable. Spectacular. I mean... Hello. <laughs> that actually, seriously, you could make such a great S&M couple with those two. Uh -oh. Because it's really sexy and it's really <laughs> strange. Yeah. 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 Uh, but you're like, that, she has that something about her thing oh, yeah. where you're like. And they were, you know, who, who knows whether it was an yeah. in-character thing. But, but, but they were, there were sparks flying between the two of them. And they were kind of edgy with each other uh, on set a little bit. I mean, they, they love each other after, before and after. But during it, because that was the role she was playing, I guess. And when she did that, that fake hit with the toaster, I thought I really thought she got him. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I was standing on set, and there was a gasp on, on our side of the of the camera, like, "Oh my God!" She just took his nose off because I mean, she just whips it by. She missed him. He said he could feel the, the air. Oh. <laughs> yeah, as oh. that thing went flying by his face. All the ghosts were great, man. All the yeah. ghosts were just so great. John Forsythe was so fun. Yeah, well, great guy. And by the way, all had to sit through those life mask things. I mean, you know. It was the early days where the CG stuff didn't exist, really. So, you know, he had to have the... The one thing I remember was the, the golf ball coming at the back of his head. That was in and out. I mean, there was debate about whether we'd just gone too far. I mean, that was clearly a right. good and, and could we have a mouse coming out of a guy's head? And that is what freaked out my daughter. I, mean, I remember watching it, and she just 
screamed and ran out of the room. <laughs> and then Murray <laughs> spits out, you know, even though he's back, he spits out the yeah. golf ball. Yeah. It, it's spooky shit for yeah. kids. It really is. And then it just starts bouncing yeah. higher and <laughs> higher for some reason. <laughs> right. Ghost gals. Also, the great thing of having that phone ring when he comes back, which I'm sure kids have no idea, the answer machine right. gimmick that you only have that much time. But there's really, really great pacing in this movie. Um, talking about uh, one of our favorite Christmas films of all time, Scrooge. Mitch Glazer is sitting in here with us, Kelly Lynch, along to it. But when you watch this, do you go back through writing this with O'Donio all the time? I mean, yeah, I do. And 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 um, my memory of it, and maybe it's just a function of the years, but my memory of of, of all of it is so great. I mean, the the you know, as we wrote it. I mean, except for this one thing, I do remember, and I'm sure I've compressed it, but in my mind, we turn in the script on a Friday at Paramount, and we have like an office there or whatever. We're from New York, but we're, we've come out. And uh, and I think I got a call on Saturday, basically the, the guy who's, who's the vice president at the time saying, get off the lot, this is horrible, oh my God, we, we can't believe he paid you for this shit. And it was like one of those kind of nightmare reactions. You've ruined to, Christmas. To, to, yeah, what have you people done? <laughs> you know, and uh, we're like packing to go back. And in that weekend... Billy decided to do the movie, and then it was the same guy calling, boys, welcome back. You've done it again. This is fantastic. You know, and, the Hollywood cliches are true. Incredible. Because yeah. he, was, he was so, you know, Bill was so the king of comedy at, at that point. And, and, um, but yeah, and when I watched the movie, uh, still brings a smile all the way through it. And, and uh, you know, I think it accomplished what it was supposed to do. I mean, in, in that work on, 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 you know, a comic, a comedic level, and then have heart to it. And, and, uh, um, and as I said, we could stand by that last, um, for one night, we were the people we always hoped we would be. Unbelievable. Uh, it took us weeks. I mean, it sounds crazy, but we just kept trying things that we could stand behind uh, and, and came to that. Just as cynical as uh, Donahue gets, he knew that there was value in that. Even if it was a shared illusion, shared mythology. Exactly, and it was, and and it was a truth. I mean, it was. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, you know, you live in New York as we had. I'd lived there seventeen years, and Michael had been there longer. And and you know, people move through the city as they do. But but the one thing we knew was that night, Christmas Eve, or those few days. Yeah. Uh, you know, people were kind of sweet with each other, or you know, Merry Christmas, strangers, and all that right. stuff. And that is, if you, if you distill it down to the essence of of the holiday or of the message of the movie, that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. And, and, we, and we could stand behind it, and, and I think the movie can, you know. And, and, and then, you know, we got, we have Al Green singing Put a Little Love in Your Heart. I mean, yeah, it had nothing some... to do with that, but I was in, in heaven. And, uh, yeah, it still makes me happy to watch that movie. You knew once that came around that, oh, boom, we're out. This is perfect. This is a great way. Especially because he can, you know, Murray can just improvise inside of that song. It's so great. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know... I, Never having worked with Bill before and having seen him on the show, and Michael had written for him uh, on SNL, uh, he was as as advertiser as I dreamt and more. I mean, you know, he just um, he was on fire in that movie, and and you can see it. Well, when he just does, I mean, you see that some people are so comfortable. Feed me Seymour out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, like you would normally say, look, what a weird choice. It's not going to make, but it's so Murray. You know yeah. what I mean? It's so Murray that you know that he's treating everyone as that uncle would treat the kids. Yeah, you know? and, that, and that, you know, you know, all the men, all the women, all that stuff was all right. on him. I mean, you know, we, you know, we, we were kind of trying to, trying to feed him stuff, you know, Michael and, and I, but uh, at the end of the day, I was just telling, saying that to somebody the other day. You put 
you know, Billy in front of a live audience, which is basically what that was, stand back. I mean, it, yeah. you know, it's just it's spectacular. There's also a little thing that he does, like when he's looking back at the ghost and he does a, you know, like <laughs> where you're kind of making fun of horror movies itself. Like, remember? Uh, it's so <laughs> funny and it's so oddly subtle. And also, I, you, you, we also had, you know, uh, um, oh, God, the brilliant actress who played Grace, who played his his secretary. Oh, uh, Alfred 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 yeah. I mean, she was by far, you know, overqualified for the job. I mean, just an amazing actress and a, and, and, and a, and a lovely woman. Um, and the, their relationship and it was spectacular, you know, all the way through. I mean, she plays it so straight. That thing with her and her family, it's oh, so it's closer to reality, yeah. you know, than, you know, the way life gets it. People that work in Manhattan, most of them can't afford to live in Manhattan. Yeah. They have to come in far, and they go back, and they're just making it. That's the reality of, totally. of big cities. Mm-hmm. You and, know? and there's a moment when, which is just, a, I see it every time, and I wince. He's going in to see, uh, to go up to his office at the end, Ghost of Christmas Future, and the, the character shows up in the elevator, and... Um, and and Billy like reels back and clips her in the jaw with his elbow, which is he really yeah. did. And she's like holding her face. And every time I watch it, I, I like it, it, I wince <laughs> because he was so out of completely out of control. And then once we shot the scene in the elevator, it was Michael, the late Michael Riva, the great production designer and a good friend uh, of all of us in the, in the rig in that Ghost of Christmas Future you know kind of character. And he couldn't control it. He had like a little TV. He was trying to, he's inside it, trying. And so he backs Billy up against the elevator, and that's where back off, big man. I work with the chicks, you know. It's so unbelievable. Yeah, literally just because the guy couldn't see. And I just, you know. I work with the chicks. Yeah. It's so strong. That's him. All right, we we finally missed one. I'm pissed about it. Yeah, By the way, you play this along at home. All right, what's the next one, Fez? A few more here. Uh, What Christmas gift did Lou Parker receive? from Frank Cross and Scrooge. That's where Grace is. It's time to uh, your Christmas list, Mr. Cross. So did Lou Parker get a bath towel, VHS home video recorder, <laughs> bath towel, and a face cloth? Most of these are bath towels. Well, we know Grace is the only one who got the face cloth. Right. I know that. Mm-hmm. So we're between really uh, bath towel and... <laughs> what about your bonus? I'm drying my hair with it. <laughs> Based based on a real character, I must say, you know, the bath That's towel. That's sad. Yeah, is was, that real? Yeah, the, the bath towel is real, and I mean, uh, yeah, I, it was it was observed. So we got a fifty fifty shot here. Yep. I always wondered were those names anybody in particular? Or? There was uh, the name Forrestal. Uh, Susan Forrestal was was uh, uh, a friend of ours, uh, ex wife of Lauren Michaels, and and uh, really good friend with Michael. So 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 Forrestal got in there. Uh, um, I don't remember the rest of them. Parker, I don't think so. Most of the most of the names, you know, we didn't we didn't go after anybody, but it was kind of an homage for, for Susan. Um, Whitaker, he had in there too, I think, or we did. What do, so you, what do think, you think, Chris? Flip of a coin here. I'm going bath towel. I'm going with the percentages here. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would say about this is, wouldn't that make two of those correct? You know what I mean? Like that way, you can say most of these are bath towels or whatever. So I think that's almost like a trick question to get out of it. I think VHS. Yeah, I'm going VHS, too. Lou Parker got a VHS home video recorder. Uh, I notice this. Every time Chris tries to help, it's it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice. You really are a bad guy. I think it's a trivia. 
John Forsythe played Frank Cross's old boss, Lou Hayward. But who played Scrooge's old partner, Jacob Marley, in the IBC production Ooh, of Scrooge? I'm a, I'm a little nervous about this. You'll get it. Was it Jamie Farr, Pat McCormick, John Houseman, or the Solid Gold Dancers? <laughs> well, we know it wasn't Houseman. We know it wasn't the Solid Gold Dancers. But it should have been. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I can't... See, it's just see a any, nipple. Yeah, and, I, <laughs> and these guys are looking. <laughs> I can't even see that nipples. Um, I know that McCormick is in it, but Jamie Farr... Mitch, you know this one, right? You know, I, I remember seeing. I, I remember seeing Pat McCormick. By the way, Pat McCormick was in um, this movie. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. But I remember under the mistletoe, like right around at the end of. Uh, right, he's standing next he's standing to her in the kiss. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna go. I don't know. I, th I guess. I guess Jamie Farr was in the movie. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It goes I can't on believe, and on. It's just. It's so deep. And and Mary Lou Retton. Right. You know who likes an acrobat, Frank? <laughs> My kids. <laughs> <laughs> she was a good sport too. Bless her heart. I, I, I remember seeing both of them. God, this is terrible. I know Michael wouldn't get it either, so I feel better. But I'm going to say Jamie. Jamie. It was Jamie Farr that Ooh. played Jacob Marley. Uh, well, that was terrifying. Yeah. What holiday song is Elliot Laddermilk singing while he's stalking Frank Cross with a shotgun? Oh. Is it Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer? Jingle Bells. Santa Claus is coming to town. Put a little love in your heart. I know this one. I know this one, too. Let's let Kelly do it. You better. <laughs> you better not talk. It is Santa Claus is coming to town. All right, strong. It was great. Yeah. He was great in the movie, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the final question. Around these parts, most people call me Mr. Cross. Who besides Claire referred to Frank as Lumpy? Was it the choreographer, the stage manager, <laughs> the mouse wrangler, or the guy who says, you can hardly see them nipples? Um, it's, it's the mouse wrangler. Yeah. It is the mouse wrangler. By the way, that guy was great, too. Amazing. I would never do anything to hurt this little animal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two cats and a dog. I think he was a mouse wrangler, truthfully. If I think back on it, I think he, we just no one else was really comfortable with the mouse. By the way, like we get into the really funny stuff, the, the, the scary stuff. The scene where Karen Allen is just looking at the TV, thinks it might be her name, that, you know, thinks it might be her. These, I mean, it's just heartbreaking. It's just so great. It, it, so sweet. Those big it, eyes. It's yeah. beautiful, yeah. Aww. And and you needed it. I mean, you know, if the if the movie's going to work beyond comedy, they the, you know the, 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 the love story had to play. And uh, and in the in the beginning, when you when you see him fixing her her coat, and you know when they first you know reconnect, and uh, it it really did track. I mean, you you believe you believe them as a couple, and and uh, I mean the, Bill's look, and in in the in in when he's in the office party, the turtleneck and yeah. the the mullet. I mean, God, who couldn't fall in love with that? I it's, mean, it's just so, <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> undeniable. It's so hysterical. You got me here, and you sure got me here. <laughs> so, like, those things shouldn't even get that kind of response that they get, but it's just so perfect. Yeah. Uh, really great stuff. You, I had read something that you, you guys might be doing something in the future. Yeah, I, I wrote a movie... Uh, 
a script three or four years ago, and uh, it's a, a comedy, and you'll understand why it's, it's taken this long to get made. It's a comedy set in Afghanistan, so it's it and uh, it's called Rock the Casbah, and it's uh, I wrote it for Bill because um, I hadn't we hadn't done anything together really that way in a while. You know, big comedy, but but has a has kind of heart to it, meaning to it, and um, and he loved it. I mean, I gave it to him on a Friday on Saturday called so "Let's Do It," and and that was four years ago. And it's kind of a the the, the premise is Billy plays a, a broken down rock promoter, kind of a, a Ron Delsner. Not that they're broken down, but Ron Delsner, <laughs> Bill Graham, right. wannabe, and he, and he living in San Diego. And his his assistant is also does cover tunes. She does uh, "I'm a Bitch," which covers that song, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, he takes her to a USO tour in Afghanistan, and she dumps him. She freaks out, takes his money and 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 and, and uh, passport. And so Billy is left in in a war zone, trying to find his way out. Um, and it's you know it's really funny, and and he's great in it. And Barry Levinson's going to direct it, and and uh, uh, Bruce Willis, I believe, is playing um, this Blackwater mercenary. And and in theory, will be in in Morocco in June shooting it, which would be amazing. That sounds just terrific, dude. I love working with them. I mean, it's it's you know we have we have such a great time doing it and putting the idea half of half of the joy of it is having him in Morocco. I mean, just the yeah. idea of you know. <laughs> well, this what is the mean. amazing thing about uh, Mitch Glazer. Not only has he done some really great work, but just what a great life. I forget. By the time you marry. Uh, Kelly Lynch, it's time to hate you. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, at, at a certain point, you just have to say enough. But I always remember for years, like, just your name would pop up. I'm like, damn, this dude's doing this now? He's there? He's always, oh, the, you know, you're reading some Don Henley and Aspen. Oh, and Mitch Glazer's, I'm like, Mitch, what? he's an Aspen? He's everywhere. Um, it's, been, it's been amazing. And, and, uh, I don't know what to stop. I love it. I mean, you know, it, it, but but at this point, there are times when, you know, Kelly calls me Zelig. There are times where, where it's just almost stupid. I mean, it's really been an amazing life. You know, I, I think it's because you're awake, dude. I really do. I think that there's a lot of people that you're awake enough to see where the next thing is and, and you're cool enough to appreciate it. You got enough humility that you go, oh, this is great. You know what I mean? Rather than why didn't this happen again? You know, you dig it. Thanks so much, you guys, for coming in Great here. Great to see here. you. Always fun. Uh, yeah, stop by anytime. Seriously, you, this is we're always here. If you what night are you going to watch Scrooge again? Uh, well, you know, I watched it the other night, but I, I'll definitely be watching it Christmas Eve. Uh, yeah, if you don't own it already, it's available on demand on Amazon.com, and it's playing Christmas Eve on ABC Family. Oh, terrific. Love it. Great to see you guys. Let's Thank stop you so back much, and man. see us again.
Fish Show on the OB Anthony Show. Sirius XM. <laughs> You've been warned. Blades are talking uh, Scrooge with us for so long. And the lovely Kelly Lynch. This is Mitch's life. Uh, that He's married to a movie star, and of course she's incredibly beautiful. But she just shows up today, she's like, to hear Mitch talk. You know what I mean? Like, that is, they're this really great couple. But, you know, you talk about not even having the regular ego. She's a movie star, and she's like, would you mind if I just show up? To, and we're like, yeah, of course. Say whatever you want. She was like, I can sit in the back. No, no, hop in. She, she's so cool. Just so stunning. That was a Christmas miracle. Oh, just having them talk, be able to talk about movies and all that screws, stuff. 25 years, perfect. Let's uh, do a first responders. Mitch, of course, isn't on, um, on Twitter, but Kelly is. So, at Kelly Lynch, at Kelly Lynch. Just the first responders, we haven't done uh, one of them. Just, you know, give them a Merry Christmas and thanks for coming by and how much fun they were to have on the show today. Fez, you were hysterical, by the way. I, I love that movie so much. To it. I love that movie so much. But you yourself were very fun in here to be hanging out with. You should remember that. And by the way, I'm feeling a little soreness in my throat. And that's what I was afraid of. I was sneezing last night. I sneezed twice. Let's not make this about you. I, I just said I had a soreness in my throat. I think. I think. I don't understand because I got my uh, flu medicine, so I should be against all else. Um, so at Kelly Lynch for the first responders. What do we got signed to give out, Fez? Let's give away a Blu-ray copy of Scrooge signed by the screenwriter Mitch Glazer. Well, that'd be very, very cool to have. That's awesome. It's a perfect holiday. By the gift. way, Michael O'Donoghue, his writing partner, one of the most hysterical people in the in the whole world. Uh, and did you get him to sign that magazine for us still? Yeah, he signed the Crawdaddy, and he goes, "This is so much nicer than any of the copies I have." You of should it. let him keep it. Well, I asked him to sign it, and then I wanted to keep it myself. Uh Yes. He, that was a hint, Fez. All right, at Kelly Lynch for your first responders. Uh, you know what this could be like? Because I love them so much, you can give me a nice little Christmas present. Uh, and all I want is for people to write nice things to Kelly Lynch because she's, uh, she's just fantastic. So that's at Kelly Lynch on Twitter, at Kelly Lynch on Twitter. 25th anniversary of Scrooged. Uh, I'm going to bring in my best friend in the whole world, my Bill Murray, Black Earl Douglas. Earl, how you doing, buddy? Hello, buddies. How are you? Happy holidays, everybody. It would not be Christmas without you. Now, are you here to see me, or are you here to see little Steven? Um, you, of course. By the way, did you invite Mitch and Kelly to see little Steven? No, I didn't. I would have been, you know, I want them to know that they can drop by. Mitch is the type of guy that when you just hang out with him, you feel like you're at a great dinner with somebody who's got, like, great stories. 
he is such a ridiculously cool dude. And then I have to stop myself from going just like this. Tell more stories. <laughs> Tell more stories. What else is, uh, happens with really... Mitch, ha- Mitch has lived the kind of life that you wish that you lived. That's all. It's that simple. Uh, you know what I would have loved to have here today is uh, Miss Long December herself, Kathleen from the Bronx. Because oh. she's a big Bill Murray fan, big Scrooge fan. Would have loved that. She, she didn't make it. Fezzi, now, how were you so much fun here? Why didn't you bring up, oh, by the way, I'm mad at my dad and I'm sad and I don't know what to do? Because I guess because I was just thinking of Frank Cross's issues instead of my own. No, you were in the moment. Find something to focus on. You should be able to focus on that no matter whether it's a news item, something uh, you don't care about. Something you do. I didn't even tell him this would have been another story to come up. Remember, we used to throw Scrooge parties where we would sit around. Oh my God. And watch Scrooge and quote the movie back. Amazing. Yeah. 57th Street. Scrooge parties were awesome. 57th Street. Back. Stop acting like you're above it all by. What? Because you remember the specific time (laughs) that it happened. Earl, you you came in today. Uh, Billy Staples stopped by today. I miss Billy. Oh, it's, man. Well, he he called. It's been a Christmas miracle. Well, this is that time of the season, and I, and I wanted to say happy holidays to my buddies. Oh, and just happened to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm, frankly, I missed you guys. So I wanted to see you guys too. I've been incredibly busy, and I just wanted to say hello to you guys. Why have you been so busy? Um, it's our busy season at the Hard Rock. So, I mean, I'm. Basically. What is it, rock season? <laughs> rock and roll season? Oh, yeah, I guess everyone gathers when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I didn't uh, get a chance to talk to you about it. Nirvana go in. On, a, on a technicality. What's the technicality? Oh, the weird album before? The weird single before, which features none of the key guys in the lineup. Yeah, that is too strange. Yeah, so... They should have waited. it. Yeah, wait the... It would have been another year. I mean, what... what what difference would it make? I guess the Kiss Army's really happy now too. Finally, they finally got in. Yeah, but I think it takes away some of the fun. <clears throat> yeah, because it was a fan vote. It wasn't necessarily the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame guy saying, no, "Okay." I think it, it it took away the fun of they didn't get in and people are going to be bitching. <laughs> I love having those fights. <laughs> they look being the, like the snub bride every year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Scott, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, with my job, I'm in and out of my car all day long. And I had no idea that Mitch was coming in there. And when I got back in my car and heard the way Fez was acting, I swear to God, I thought that the that the system had shut down again and you guys had gone into best of. It was the old Fez to a T today. Um, it was the old Fez to a T. And I did not want to call attention to it. And Spotlight. I didn't want to say, uh, Mitch, Fez hasn't done this in a long time. But Fez was getting... Major Mitch and Kelly laughs today. He was on fire. It's like he was from Mitch and Murray downtown, <laughs> and he came in here to kick some ass. He's got those good leads. Yeah, the Glengarry leads. These are gold, and you are not going to get them. Did you ever see that parody on Saturday Night Live with the elves? No. You're fucking kidding me, right? No, I'm not. You're in for a fucking treat. Fezzi, uh, find this... Uh, over on our computer, it's when Alec Baldwin uh, did that bit as 
on Santa's elves. <laughs> it's fucking a classic. Uh, first responders at Kelly Lynch. At Kelly Lynch. Uh, let them know what a good time you had with them by on the show today. Signed Scrooge Blu-ray. Signed Scrooge, which is the perfect Christmas present. There's nothing better. I don't care what you're, the person you're getting a gift for that likes. This is what they're going to love the most. Yeah, get it, take it, enjoy it, have fun with it. Even if you have to check over on uh, NBC. Because they just reran it on the NBC Christmas special this year. I've seen this. Very interested. Well, you should be. Um, Phil, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, Run Fez. I was wondering if there's any truth to the rumors I read online that Earl is coming back to produce on the new radio show on, uh, I don't know, what's that new channel called? Come on, you got to know it. I believe it's XM Raw Dog 99 Comedy Hits. Uh, is it Earl? Well, as you know, Earl, did, by the way, have you stepped down to see Leeds? Um, not yet, no. He was waiting for you um, the other day. When I told him that you guys would be, you know, hooking up. Uh, obviously, the rumors are going around. Is Earl coming back? It's been a long time, buddy. Yeah, next year will be five you're, years. You're Johnny's right hand now, though. <laughs> yeah. He'll fucking end up killing me. <laughs> we got it, Fez? No, it still needs a few minutes to load, or a couple seconds to load. What year is this? What are we got? Dial up? <laughs> Chris, are we doing dial up again? I believe we are on a T1 connection. I ain't hear no modems going off. Chris, pop Ronnie's mic up just a bit. Sure. You, you hate when he's on that board, right? It's he just to me, it just rings obvious in my head. He doesn't even um, touch him. He doesn't even touch the board when he sits in front of it. Um, but that's that's our Chris. You got other <laughs> things on your mind. Uh, the 360s, by the way, Earl, haven't been touched since you were here, and we we're also going back and playing some of your old. Openings and even you admit it, Chris. Earl was on it in those days. Those are early days. That was before I even got here. Yeah, before I was even an intern. Unbelievable. Golden air. A lot of people call that golden Re air. Really? Uh, Marshall, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, a million bucks, Ron. Uh, hey, we uh, bought some cigars off the iBang and appreciate the list. It was good. Tatawahi is always a good cigar. I uh, I have one for you. Not sure if you've uh, smoked it. Called Frank Herrera Biography. Uh, no idea. No, never heard of. Uh, look look it up. Frank Herrera Biography. It's a six by sixty uh, and uh, really good cigar. But appreciate the list. Keep them coming because uh, us here in California, we don't. Uh, we're aficionados, but we enjoy the list. So just want to tell you, we appreciate it, man. Thanks. It's hard to smoke a good cigar in uh, in California, huh? It is. You know, we've got... Uh, the, have you ever heard of Illusion? No. Cigars? Well, the uh, D Dion, who owns Illusion, actually has a place in Reno. So we go there and hang out with him once in a while. But, uh, man, they don't want you smoking anymore in California. It's, it's tough. Yeah, they're so, like uh, if you smoke in certain towns now. Yeah, uh, buildings are just non-smoking buildings. Unless, like, you and then you can't smoke outside. Yeah. You can't smoke outside and you can't smoke in the building. Like residential buildings, like the entire residential <laughs> yeah. places. Like you can own a condo and not be able to sm smoke. All right, this is the, uh, take it, yeah. Uh, this is Saturday Night Live, and it is a a bit that Alec Baldwin did, a parody of his Glengarry Glenn Ross character. 
Um, I, and here it is. So what's this meeting about? I don't know. It better be about our tools. My hammer is falling apart in my hands. Stop it for a second. You got a couple things on there. Yeah, there was music playing uh, something. Winter's Breath. He's an elf from the home office. Can I have your attention for a moment because you're talking about what? You're talking about the hammer? <laughs> bitching about the quality of your wood, some pixie you're trying to screw. Let's talk about something important. <laughs> Put that cocoa down. <laughs> cocoa is for cobblers only. You think I'm screwing around? I am not screwing around. I am here from Chris Kringle. I'm here from the North Pole, and I am on a mission of mercy. Your name is Honeydew? Yeah. And you call yourself an elf, you son of a bitch? Hey, I don't have to listen to this. You certainly don't, pal, because the good news is you're fired. The bad news is you've got all, you've got one week to regain your jobs, starting with tonight's build. Oh, have I got your attention now? Good. Because we're adding a little something to this month's toy contest. As you know, first prize is a shiny new toboggan. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a box of candy canes. Third prize is you're fired. Everybody get the picture? You're laughing now? Huh? You got tools. Santa paid good money for those tools. You can't build with the tools you have. You can't build garbage. You are garbage. Hit the bricks, pal, and beat it because you are going out. Hey, 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 our tools are weak. Your tools are weak. The effing tools are weak. You're weak. I've been in this business for 615 years. Hey, what's your name? Screw you. That's my name. And you want to know why, mister? Because you rode a hedgehog to work, and I got here on a talking moose. That's my name. Remember, boys and girls... Always, A, always, B, B, C, closing. Always be clo always be cobbling, always be cobbling. <laughs> That's incredible. What's the problem, pal? Well, I mean, you're such a hero, you're so rich. Why are you coming down here and wasting your time with a bunch of bums? You see this gumdrop? <laughs> See this gumdrop? This gumdrop costs more than the mushroom you call a house. You see, pal, that's who I am, and you're nothing. Nice guy, I don't care. Good father, elf you. Go home and play with your kids. <laughs> you want to work here? Cobble. I can sit here tonight with the tools you got, make myself 15 train sets tonight in two hours. Can you? Can you? No, no. <laughs> Get mad, you sons of bitches. Get mad. You know what it takes to be... One of Santa's elves, it takes brass balls <laughs> to be an elf. The tools are out there. Build with the tools, you know? I got no sympathy for you. And you know what you'll be saying? Bunch of losers sitting around the reindeer shed, drinking fermented dew out of acorn caps. Oh, yeah. I used to be one of Santa's elves. It's a tough racket. <laughs> These are the new tools. Whoa. These are the new Glengarry line of power tools. And to you, they're gold, and you don't get them. Why? Because to give them to you is just throwing them away. They're for cobblers. I wish you good luck, but you wouldn't know what to do with it if you got it. And to answer your question, pal, 
I'm here because Santa asked me to be here as a favor. I said the real favor. Follow my advice and fire your elfin ass because a loser <laughs> is a loser. Oh, and one more thing. You all get holiday bonuses. It's still Christmas. Yay! It's funny shit, man. That's great. <laughs> Black girl Douglas sitting in with us. Earl, you know where we're moving, right? Yes. Give me it. Drop the call letters on me. Uh, was it XM? XM. <laughs> Raw Dog. Raw Dog 90? Oh, my God. And get the number. Oh, you wonder why they don't want to see you. Raw Dog Serious XM Comedy Hits 99. 99. If my best friend doesn't know, you know they're not running enough promos. I got two more days. Two more days to blow this shit up. Eight and a half hours. Ah! Eight and a half. Well, we got Fez back today. All you got to do is bring in Mitch Glazer and Kelly Lynch. You were fantastic. Oh, thank you. I, yeah, the spotlight does weird me out on that. Why did? What do you mean? This, uh, what? Just saying that you did it? Yeah. Yeah, that always just makes me think. All right. Did, Should we not have noticed? No, don't notice. Oh my god. Well, that thing that I didn't say was really great. You were being funny. You were doing voices. It was terrific. Scott, you're on the Run of Fez show. Fez, welcome back. Um, I got a question for you about Scrooge. Check. I can't believe this never. I can't believe this never came up. What was on the wall in the bathroom slash exercise room that was I thought was one of the funniest parts of the movie? Oh, um, well, there was a. It was like a definition. It had cross, and it said a thing you nail people to. Excellent. Thank you very much. I can't. I, I never thought of that as the bathroom, that. though. No, it, it wasn't was right a bathroom. It was, it was in his office. Yeah, it was where he. Yeah, it was where he had his treadmill. He just had a treadmill there because it overlooked the street. Right, the brother was on the treadmill. Yeah, uh, but you threw me off when you said bathroom. I'm like, what did I miss? Uh, we should have a Scrooge party this year. And I just got this from Kathleen. Oh, I can't believe you're bringing up the Scrooge party. Get over it. Why do you two have to live in the fucking past all the time? Wow. And I watch a lot of movies, not just Scrooge. Oh, by the way, don't send me another long December. You suck. <laughs> Kathleen from the Bronx. Oh, there's been a falling out here. I sent her a thing. Um, this is the one that she was really mad at me for. I sent her a long December. I'm like, Fez doing the Nature Boy. I'm like, that day that you're doing it. I sent I go, video of Fez doing the Nature Boy. I fucking mailed her with a long December. And she said she was really pissed that she was yelling for Bri Bri to come down from upstairs. Bri Bri, get down here. I got Fez. So he comes running all the way down. He's got a fucking towel around himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then this breaks into long December. <laughs> was, I, uh, was that for you? Johnny can't find straws. He wants you to call him immediately. <laughs> yeah, that was my phone. Sorry. What was it? Somebody fucking paint over five points again? can't. <laughs> <laughs> We like to Rick roll each other, but we caught Crow rolled with Long December. We did it to the entire audience this year. Uh, with the uh, who was it the picture of Jennifer Lawrence? Jennifer Lawrence upskirt, and they all fucking forced it. If I told you the numbers, you'd be fucking embarrassed. 
of the amount of people who just went to see a young girl's v- vagina. Well, plus an upskirt. That makes it much more exciting because she didn't mean to show it off. Hot. I just <laughs> find that cringy. At Kelly Lynch for the first responders, your chance to win a Blu-ray copy of Scrooge signed by Mitch Glazer. How cool is Kelly? Just to say I want to come along just to she's hang great. out. And, you know, I mean, she's just... You know, she, you see the way that she looks at him, you know? I have a great time. I just like Mitch so much. I think he's one of the great storytellers ever. I worry about the Belushi movie, too, with meal. Not for the same reason that fucking Fez does. He's not fat enough. <laughs> that offended me. Hey, Emil, maybe I should have more sandwiches. <laughs> this, here's your research, a fucking dollar menu. This is all John was. Love, Fez Watley. <laughs> oh, yeah. I agree with Kathleen. Ron is a dick. And everything sucks about what he says. Uh, we wanted to do that caption contest today, but... Uh, I think we're too late. We ought to hold it for tomorrow. Who's whispering to you? Castro. That's great. You never got to whisper before, Castro. <laughs> the Was whisper's fun? fun. Was she giving you an outfit? Uh, there's the, no, no. There's there's uh, there's so, a part of the audience for little Stephen is here, and uh, they just need to be someone's name wasn't in the system. They're here way too early. Yeah, they yeah, are way too, very too early. early. Yeah. I probably need a little nosh before that too. I forgot all about that. It's in Castro. No, not on your last day. Forget it. I'll run out and get myself something. I'll be back. Um, what does she want? She's the person. I, I, she's just saying, uh, the person needs people in the system. They are in the system. You can tell them. Or I'll put them in again. Look, if you're not doing your job, Castro, let us know. <laughs> um... Send the entire bang the Mitch audio, too. They want to write something up. God forbid we should only have two Scrooge things up there. We need as many as humanly possible. Then we need 40 or 50. Earl, what do black people watch at Christmas? <laughs> let me try to... <laughs> let me try to guess what black people... If there, Do you think there is a favorite black Christmas TV special? Um, I don't think so. I really don't. Um, Do they just watch what I would call white people specials? Um, for me, as a kid, it was always the Charlie Brown one. The Charlie Brown Christmas special. No blacks in that. Well, it was the one dude. Uh, <laughs> Has a black guy ever even... I guess you would watch Medea. Medea's Christmas. Friday. Yeah. I think Friday would be Christmas. <laughs> Fridays would be good for you. Um... Any prison movie. <laughs> Oz. We watched an, an Oz marathon. Oz, no Oz marathon. <laughs> prison rape is Superfly. not fun. Superfly. When you would watch stuff movie. about Jesus, right, when you were little, did you ever say to your parents, when are we going to get our savior? <laughs> no. <laughs> now, I mean, I guess the, the, the tradition now is, is wall-to-wall basketball. <laughs> Believe it or not, because now they got what five games on Christmas Day now. Jesus, man. I do watch basketball though. He's right. <laughs> I watch yeah, it too. They, I mean, it was always the Knicks at noon. Yeah, Knicks at noon, and then now it's like 
basically you're going to have a game pretty much until like one in the morning. It's almost in, a, in an odd way, almost opening day for basketball because <laughs> you like you like all right, I'm gonna put on basketball and you're like, all right, now let's take a look at the standings. Oh my God, the Knicks suck. You, you know, know what I mean? Like, you know, big game you, tonight. You don't pay all that much attention until Christmas, you know, and then it kind of kicks in. Well, I've been paying attention to the Nets and the Knicks, and it's just. It's a basketball f- apocalypse in New York City. Both teams are just horrendously bad. When's the last time you had really good basketball in New York? It's been a long time. There was a lot of hope, though, there. Since last season with the Knicks and then the Nets. Eric, you're on the Ron Fez show. Getting old Celtics. Hey, boys, I know what black people like to watch on Christmas. They all watch Jingle All the Way because they love Sinbad so much. <laughs> Sinbad is fun. Oh, God, that. Oh, jeez. Oh, you don't like Sinbad? He's okay. No, but no. Not knock down, you know, hold your gut funny, but he's all right. You love him, Earl. Um, Sinbad was, I saw a crushing audience. Of the two times I ever saw an audience totally destroyed, Sinbad was one of them. I'm not even fucking making that up. I saw him fucking destroy a room. As if he were running through there chopping off heads. That's how much people were laughing. And then they were getting up, picking up their own heads, dancing around, and then bowling with them. That's how much they were fucking enjoying it. I wish you would have came in with Mitch was here. I want to show him that I have black friends. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's aware of that. I want to get a picture with you. I'm going to send it out to some people. <laughs> just to let them know just how fucking liberal I am. We always, you know, we could say it's Photoshop. It looks great. You could have come in and played little Calvin. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> you got something to say, big man? <laughs> <laughs> look at look. Fez is not feeling the spotlight when it's time to quote that movie. That's what I'm going to do. I'll just bring it up. Like, do you like Scrooge, Fez? I see I'm having an off day. Tell yes. us about it. What are your favorite lines? At Kelly Lynch for first responders on Twitter. At Kelly Lynch, that's K-E-L-L-Y-L-Y-N-C-H. At Kelly Lynch. Chance to win Blu-ray, copy of Scrooge, and Time for Christmas, signed by Mitch Glazer. So Earl gets here just in time to meet the big big movie, TV, and recording star. That's going to be playing tonight on Raw Dog Fest. Yeah, Raw Dog, Sirius XM, Comedy Hits 99. What's going to be playing is, of course, when I sit down with little Steven, little Steven, or here's a weird thing. He used to get called Miami Steve by Springsteen in the early days. Mitch Glazer used to be called Miami Mitch. Whoa. I could introduce the two Miamis. I cannot believe we didn't invite those guys to stay. That was a terrible oversight. What are you gonna do? Now, why was he called Miami Steve? Because he's, I guess, he hated cold weather. Yeah. <laughs> like all of us, he hates cold weather. So you know, there was that Jersey th- fucking sense of humor. What do you have, honey? You call? You waving us? I'm not getting anything. Switch out with her, Fez. And I just. Uh... I always like to look at the old Springsteen pictures because yeah, they look too. like <laughs> they look like pimps. Yeah, they look like gangsters. They look like gangsters. They look like the Jay Giles band. 
Especially uh, Clarence. Clarence was just, <laughs> he was all pimped out. Every one of those guys. Clarence was like a black gypsy. If there was ever such a thing <laughs> as a black gypsy, that would have been Clarence's role. Yeah, um, Springs had the big wool hat on. All of them had the big 70s beards. Um, I'm literally getting that sore throat to Fez fucking has. If I spend my vacation sick, I'm going to be pissed. Does an emergency knock stuff out of you immediately if you catch it early enough? I don't know. I have never taken any. I used to take Zycam all the time. Tonight is Fezmas, where Fez comes over to my house for our annual uh, turkey. Nice. Old Fezziwig. After <laughs> so many years. <laughs> Fez, have you been in my house since last Christmas? Um, yeah, I think Super Bowl. So it's almost a year. We're winter friends. Yes. <laughs> So no New York team in a Super Bowl this year? No. Again. <laughs> Actually, this is the first year there might be no teams. What did the Castro need? Oh, it was more people showing up for little Steven. Is she early. getting them? Yeah, she's gone to get them. I wanted to say goodbye to her on her last day, and now I'm not going to have a chance to. We'll text her. She just had to take care of a couple uh, early shower-uppers. So and she'll the be right back. Show uppers, where are they going to put them? Yeah, they, the early show uppers no need to be stayed upstairs. There's no place for them to fucking stand, stand. The lobby is destroyed. Right. Yeah. So I mean, so she's just put. She's just checking them in. They can't get checked in. I was hoping to get maybe Earl together with her on her last day. God, that would be perfect. Because right. she wouldn't be. He's not an employee. Yeah. So that's fair game for And technically, Earl. neither one of you is white. You're South African. <laughs> hey, and by the wait way, a minute. <laughs> when your dad died, Mandela, no. I felt wait. so bad. He's not my father. He did a lot for rugby and soccer, too. A lot. Was a major loss, but yes, he's not my father. You're not sure of that, though. Stop. You don't have <laughs> African blood in you? I got something in me. You know where you're from in Africa, where your people are from? No. Honestly, I've been trying to, I've been thinking about doing that whole DNA thing. Yeah. Where you can trace back at least to where your people were. I've been thinking about that for a while. I traced yours back, girl. I went to Newark. <laughs> I was an early tribe in Newark. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Nomadic I, people. Well, I did what have would you want to ask little Stephen if I have chances to let people ask questions at the end? Um... What time is it? No. <laughs> Steven, I got to get out of here. What time is it? Do you know? Uh, basically, what was his role in saving? What He he was the guy who saved Born Private, to Run. Private Ryan. He saved the Born to Run album. And then what did he do? What, where was the failure happening in the sessions that produced that you album? You know that he's here to talk about Lilyhammer, right? Yeah. But you're going to go, Lilyhammer's great. I want to ask you about Born to Run. Bruce fucked it up. How did you save it? <laughs> <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Maybe we should all be doing that when he comes in. Our last day with Castro. God, Castro is such a pretty girl. Castro is, and Earl, I want you to look at this. Is I don't know, did you ever have the chance to meet Earl? Yeah. Yeah, we met one. He's my best friend. When you were promoting your book. Yeah. Yeah. 
the book was called uh, Earl Douglas. Guess what time it is? Uh, but you were a great intern. I hope you had fun here. I and did. Thank you so much. You were um, you're a Spitfire. You are a Spitfire. You got all the confidence in the world. And I hope you hold on to that. Thank you. Uh, how are you planning on spending the rest of the year? Are you a senior now, or yeah? Uh, it's my last semester. I want to get good grades and do jack shit at the same time. And then you plan on traveling for a while, right? Yeah, hopefully. That's the, that's the dream. Well, you've got Chris's stuff. If you ever need any recommendations oh, thank you. from us, you, I just thought you were terrific. Same if, there's, if you ever want to come back and work here in this place. I have no trouble recommending you for any position you're looking for. Oh, thank you very much. Really great kid. The other one was, is an imbecile. <laughs> Jeez. I don't so mean weird. that in a bad way. Maybe it's because he worked with her. But you know how like girls mature faster yeah. and they seem smarter? I mean, he was all but going in his own pants. He's <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not saying that's the main thing. He's lovely. <laughs> um, but anyway, great job. If you ever want to go out with a black man, Earl's there. He, he's not too... Pushy, right, Earl? You wait. You slow play it, right? <laughs> um, I, I let. I go with the flow. What do you like to take her out for? Give her nice things, new <laughs> diamonds, Gucci handbags. Wrong about that. You but... want to go out to a Tyler Perry movie? <laughs> we'll have some Cristal first. <laughs> Cognac. <laughs> Fez, you got anything you need to plug? Want to remind people about the third annual iBang Holiday Photo Contest. Forgot we haven't gotten to that all day. Make sure you get your photos in from your Christmas celebrations. Chance to win Bad Santa, signed by Academy Award winner Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, let's, um, we'll, uh, well, we'll give out that prize tomorrow. Um, how lovely uh, today was, though. Earl, for an hour, we're just sitting around. Seriously, how often do you get to play fuzzballs with the person who... Oh, Kelly is responding to people, too, on Twitter. So if you want to talk to a movie star, at Kelly Lynch. At Kelly Lynch, she's so sweet. But so much fun. Uh, but how often does that get to happen? What an attractive couple they were, too. Yeah. Like Castro. Yeah. Castro, I want you to come over here. I feel very confident to hit the dunk on your way out the door. Because you've earned it at this point. You've had a great year. Give it a rock. Uh, that's the end of my show. Dunk. It's your last day on set. This show was brought to you by Afro and Friends. You can get other high-quality Opie and Anthony-related audio from the website afroandfriends.blogspot.com.